uh, Adam, support TFTC. Again, go to adams.tft, excuse me, adams.com slash TFTC. If you use that link and buy a pair of shoes, you're going to get a free pair of socks at checkout, and their socks are extremely comfortable as well. Um, they're, they're accepting Bitcoin as payments, and yeah, go check them out. Adams, A-T-O-M-S dot com slash TFTC, a shoe for the low of time preference, gentleman or lady in your life. This episode is also brought to you by our good friends at the motherfucking Cash App. Cash App. Cash App's helping you do many things. It's helping you stack sats, send sats, sell sats, and receive sats. And we're saying sats, 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 because sats are the standard within the app. We're no longer stacking fractions of Bitcoins. We're buying whole sats, whether it be thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions. Sats are the standard in the Cash App. You can DCA into sats. You can set it and forget it. Dollar cost average daily, weekly, or bi-weekly. They're initiating boosts to get you Bitcoin cash back at any merchant, actually, if you use the, the boost card, wherever Visa is accepted, you have your Bitcoin ca- sats back boost uh, initiated. You're going to go shop somewhere and get sats back. On top of that, be- Cash App can be your bank account if you want to direct deposit your paychecks into the app. They have account numbers and routing numbers so you can get paid right to the Cash App and cut out all the old incumbent banks. So if you guys have not downloaded the Cash App yet, make sure you go do so. Use the code STACKINGSATS, that's S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. Owls Lacrosse. Enjoy it, freaks. Enjoy this rip. If you're liking it, subscribe, rate, review, share, engage. Steamrolling. We're steamrolling, freaks. These kleptocrats can't can't take us. They're not prepared for us. We're gonna steamroll these motherfuckers. Enjoy. Ticky. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. One, what is up, freaks? Welcome back to Rabbit Hole Recap. It is January 14th, 2021, and we're here congregating on this dirty part of the internet to talk about bitcoin this week in bitcoin particularly matt how the hell are you doing good i'm doing good how are you doing marty doing good a lot of fresh air out here in the in the in the great west a lot of opportunity seems like a good a good space to attack here moving forward i'm trying to go for a different backdrop for the freaks every every week of rhr for the next few months let's see if i can pull it off this is a good this is a good goal to have. I'm excited to see the many different backgrounds. It seems like you're enjoying your, your time in the woods, which is most important. I, I want to make sure you're relaxed. You're feeling good. You're pushing out incredible content. Another great conversation with Janine and Ben this week. I know there were some technical difficulties, but hey, it's just part of part of whipping it up like we are. Well, it's funny because we were having like a conversation about the trade-offs of a distributed networks and censorship resistance and 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 having like resilience access to comms and then i go live from my cabin in the woods and just my whole in, my whole router just like explodes the whole thing just goes down and just restarted again and that's time i went through my phone i think that's the key i think uh we're learning as we're going here 
with our live shows, especially since I'm on the road. And I think I'm just going to use, um, I'm it's just a bull run. I'm just going to use cell data, <laughs> use cell data every, <laughs> fucking, every fucking time from now on. That's, uh, you're, I've said that to you after Citadel dispatch this week, how hot is your phone right now? <laughs> Dude, it was so fucking hot, but it's really cold up here. So you just put it outside real quick and you're good to go. That's good. That's good. Well, let's jump into it. We got a lot to talk about this week. A lot going on in the world of Bitcoin, the world around Bitcoin. Well, let's focus in on the stats right now. The price of Bitcoin is currently $39,750. We will be auto-stacking on this episode at some point. The market cap is $739.1 billion. As of right now, we are blocked 666,068. We are 598 blocks away from block 666666. So prepare for that freak. Should happen at some point between now and next episode of Tales from the Crypt. Now, currently over 18.6 million Bitcoin have been distributed to the market. Exactly 18,600,350.4 BTC um, have been mined. We're getting pretty quick to, well, it's going to take a while. We're 88.57% of the way to Bitcoin's full supply being distributed to the market. If we're looking at the blockchain this week, we had a, an upwards difficulty adjustment of, I believe, 10%. Let me find, yeah, 10.81%. No, 10.8%. I was looking at the wrong um, wrong section of Clark's dashboard. Hash rate's currently kicking at 150.6 exahash, and we are sitting at an all-time high in difficulty at 20.6 trillion. Um, I forget what the, the denomination is, but if it's never been harder to find a hash, that'll allow you to add a, a block to the Bitcoin blockchain. Number uh, go up. Number go up. Did the mem pool clear over the weekend? Were you paying attention at all? No. And, it didn't clear. And in Clark's dashboard, there's no one sat per byte opportunities even a week out now. So, Would you see what mempool.space is adding? No, I didn't. He's get they're getting they're getting ready for our upcoming fee market and they're adding a feature um, that says the minimal the minimum uh, fee rate you can do to be in a, a standard default mempool like the standard three hundred meg mempool. Okay, no, that's actually we'll talk about it when we get to the Bitcoin Core version zero point two one being released. There's something with transactions in the mempool that was changed there. But yeah, that's something to be aware of if, if you're going to be sending a transaction as fees increase. Uh, people are storing data in the form of your unconfirmed transactions in their mempools and they will start prioritizing transactions with larger fees because the likelihood of them getting included in a block is, is significantly higher and they can get driven away from the mempool. Um, so be aware, freaks. Uh, what else do we have here on the dashboard? Whirlpool. Where's Whirlpool at? Whirlpool we hit is, new all-time high this week. Yes, 2,226.22 Bitcoin. A lot of twos in there. That, uh, I think that's all-time high both in Bitcoin and in dollars. Yeah, it's $88.3 million in, in liquidity. That's a fucking big deal. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty massive. Uh, I believe last year, or not last year, last week, it was hovering around 2,000, so another 10% increase week on week. Wouldn't be surprised if it has uh, anything to do with the increased censorship and um, uh, posturing from some regulators. Again, the regulatory landscape is very uh, well, I mean, changing very much depending on who you talk to and on what day it is. I think it's a mix. It's like a threefold mix, right? It's uh, 
the samurai stack has gotten more mature, right? It, it's still a beta product, and it's but it's gotten way more stable and way more mature, and the education material on the side of it has gotten more mature, and 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 the actual like you read like Ronin Dojo, the project has gotten more mature. Um, so all these things have led to people being more comfortable with it. Um, then you also had, uh, I don't, I don't want to like attacks on privacy coins, right? Like I, it, it's, it's maybe attacks the wrong word, but we've seen delistings and, and, and basically aggressive posturing by regulators and exchanges on, on privacy specific chains. Um, really the only one that, that actually matters in terms of usage is probably Monero. Um, and then on top of that, we've seen just the greater censorship, um, just the greater censorship concerns that we're seeing on like a, on a macro scale. And I think all of those things combined uh, probably have resulted in, in increased usage, but it's just, it's, it's really, really good to see. Yeah. I mean, that's something we didn't touch on that happened last week or the week before when Bittrex started delisting Zcash Monero. Dash got thrown in there and Dash actually came back like, actually, we're not that private. You can keep us ridiculous then it's like the ultimate the ultimate shit coin, cell phone right? such a cell phone they don't give a shit just they were shilling the, the privacy focus the whole time and the second they get to listen they're like we're not a privacy coin we promise we promise yeah it is uh did you put this on the list i know we do have a dark net web getting taken down but uh yeah the the largest dark net in the world stopped accepting bitcoin I don't even know. I don't think it's the largest. I think it's like whenever they, they fucking, uh, oh wait, are you talking about the one that got taken down? I don't know if it was the one that got taken. You're talking about white house market. I think so. Yes. Well, I think we talked about that white house. We talked about a couple of weeks ago. They only accept Monero. Um, some people say they're the largest dark market. Other people say Hydra is the largest dark market, but Hydra is Russian only. So it's it's literally in Russian language. So like it, it makes sense that, you know, Western centric people would just completely ignore Hydra. And Hydra's the one who um they don't do shipping, right? They they they're the ones who leave it in coordinates and it's like under a bench in like mm. Moscow or something. Yes. Which is which is historically the weakest point of these dark net marketplaces is that you gotta put the fucking thing in the mail and mail it, right? We we just talk about these issues with hardware wallets. Like imagine if it's, you know hardcore drugs and, and it becomes a lot a lot more difficult yeah. um but then we also had the german authorities took down a dark net marketplace that was called dark market and all the headlines were they took down the world's largest dark market and i feel like no matter what whenever they take down one of these fucking markets they're always like world's largest it's always in the title world's largest i don't know if it's empirically the world's largest i don't know how you'd ever be able to find out but they always say world's largest no matter what yeah, these dark net markets reporting quarterly earnings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, I went on a little rant there, highlighting that samurai usage has increased combination of factors that, that Matt is pointing out. Like, uh, it is getting easier to use samurai. More people are becoming privacy and sensor conscious in, in this crazy, crazy world. Um, so, yeah, if you're comfortable setting up a samurai wallet, setting up a dojo, connecting to Whirlpool, highly recommend. Provide liquidity. Again, all-time high, sitting at $88.3 million, 2,226 Bitcoin. So. so let's just talk about that for a second. So so, so Whirlpool is unique. Samurai Whirlpool is unique. 
compared to the two other main coin join implementations, Wasabi and Join Market, in that it's designed in a way to build this liquidity pool. It's, it, it builds this pool of, of UTXOs that are all the exact same size um, that are constantly remixing with, with, new, with new liquidity that comes in of the same size. So like, for instance, they have a 1 million sat pool and, and that's just UTXOs that are all 1 million sats and they come in and you have three existing ones mixed with two, uh, two new ones. And it just keeps happening. And each round has three existing ones. And the idea is, is you have this liquidity pool where a high level, like, yes, there's a lot of Bitcoin gotchas you can do in terms of privacy. But at a high level, the idea is you enter this pool with your 1 million sat transaction and you could be any of those 1 million sat transactions. On a high level, there, there are three pools, but on a high level, the concept is you could be any of those 2000 Bitcoin when you enter and when you exit. Um, and if we get that high, the, the higher we get that, the better it is for all Bitcoins. It provides a additional plausible deniability and fungibility protection and, 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 and easier access to privacy. Yeah, it aids in the goal of making regulations, particularly regulations aimed at trying to identify Bitcoiners on chain, it makes them too expensive and too dumb to enforce by destroying the heuristics that are that are used to to identify individuals on the Bitcoin blockchain. So the more people whirlpooling, the more people adding liquidity to that, you're not only helping yourself, but the rest of the network by uh, helping to destroy those heuristics. So it is a, a process. It's not um, if you're just getting into Bitcoin. I highly recommend you strive to get on Whirlpool and start contributing to this, but do your research, get comfortable with it. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. DMs the are open. The most important thing is until you do that, even after you do that, just remember that Bitcoin is not default private. It's not default yes. private. You're leaking a lot of information when you use it if you don't know what you're doing. And that information will be on this chain forever because Bitcoin will be here forever. At least yes. that's what we believe as Bitcoin bulls. Yes. And God, I want to go down so many routes right now. We're Bitcoin version 0. Point, Bitcoin coin version 0. 0.21 first 0. 0.0 is huge in some of the regard in regards to some of the things we're talking about right now. But before we get to that, staying on the privacy tip, what the hell happened to Tor version three earlier this week? Was it a hack or an attack uh, on the Tor network? Or was I thought I read something well, that it was like an implementation bug that got exploited? First off, I want to say shout out to all the freaks in the live chat on YouTube. Love you guys. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, you guys really make these live episodes super fun. Um, the tour issue. Uh, I uh, This was a pretty crazy one. I mean, so, so the tour developers said, uh, I think the exact quote was something like, someone's fetching uh, information in a rude way, mm -hmm. uh, which caused a denial of service attack. To me, I just assume attack. And I think like when you're talking about these adversarial networks, like you should assume attack. You shouldn't assume um, that it was an unintentional bug or whatever. Uh, it, it definitely was an unintentional bug, but the, the exploitation of the bug could have been unintentional or intentional, right? And I think it was probably an attack. Um, I don't think it matters either way. You should just operate under the assumption of attack. But basically uh, the result is the way Tor's trade-off model works is they basically operate under an assumption that the U.S. government uh, will not 
outwardly go after them. They have the protection of the U.S. government. They have the sanctity of the U.S. government um, that, that is basically giving them protection. So because of that, they're able to take some centralization on, um, at least in their trade-off balance. It makes it easier for them. So, so ultimately, with all these networks, when you're talking about distributed networks, the issue is uh, civil resistance, uh, denial of service resistance, right? This idea that you have like traffic that just you know, just keeps hitting you and keeps hitting your nodes and it takes the whole network down. Um, with Bitcoin, we actually handle that in a distributed way because we don't assume that the US government will protect us. The strongest government in the world will protect us. Um, and and the, main, the main instrument there is the, is, the, is the fee market, right? And there's this idea that if you're pushing more bandwidth through the network, um, it's going to come at an increased cost for you. And ultimately, you're going to run out of money eventually, right? Um, the, with Tor, what they do is, is they have these centralized directory servers. Uh, because, because, like I said, you know, they've, been far, they've been funded by the Department of Defense in the past. And in general, the U.S. government tends to allow them to exist and protect them. Um, and those directory servers were what were getting attacked. So ultimately, what does that mean for a Tor user? It means that if you're using Tor's most recent address format, Tor v3, uh, you're going to have like a lot of reliability issues over this last week. Uh, and I still see these issues. I've been noticing these issues for Bitcoiners. What, what, where you a lot of times where you see Tor v3 is when you're connecting back to your home node, right? So like I'm on the road right now. I'm trying to connect back to my Lightning node or connect back to um, any kind of, of, of node service, a, a, a blockchain a blockchain explorer that I host, mempool.space that I host back back home, connecting it through Tor v3, you wouldn't be able to do that. It was hit or miss. And basically what happened was uh, the, the really scary aspect is that the, the sovereign Bitcoin Lightning Network pretty much relies on Tor v3 reliability. Yeah. Like this idea like that, that... Uh, like we need uptime. Like, like uh, if if you're if you're running an independent Lightning routing node that's Tor only, your node was going on and off over this last week or so, and technically, there's funds risk possibility there, right? Like if a bad state gets gets sent, yeah, they're uh, hot. Tries to get sent on chain uh, while your your node is down. Yeah, doesn't seem good. But they they had a quick fix to it, correct? Yeah, that's the worst part. The worst part to me, and and you know maybe it's me just confirming my biases. Um, I've talked on this podcast many times about my love love hate relationship with Tor, right? Yes. And and I just don't think there there's something to be said about culture of the community and the and the developer community specifically. And it feels like they're just not adversarial enough, you know, and I, am I throwing, am I like, you know, I can't do what they do. So I'm not saying like, I don't appreciate them. I appreciate them tremendously. Um, but just the way like concerns were like kind of dismissed. I felt like it wasn't it, like, think about when there's, when there's a concern in Bitcoin, like how much concern there is, how much messaging there is, how much importance there is to communicating what the concerns are, what the issues and stuff. It was just kind of radio silence out of tour. Yeah. You know, out of, out of like the tour lead maintainers and stuff. So I was like, so to me, um, 
and maybe that's because the idea is from their perspective tour downtime isn't the end of the world you know it'll be up again eventually like don't rely on tour uptime but for bitcoiners you know i think a lot of people assume tour uptime you can't i think you just can't assume tour uptime yeah it's interesting how bitcoin and tour we talked about this in the past we're coming more intertwined bitcoin dependent on tour for the privacy um assurances that it's supposed to provide and then uh bitcoin potentially helping tour by bitcoiners realizing they need to leverage tour and running more relay nodes or exit nodes uh but i have talked to bitcoiners developers specifically in the past who, who think tour is just one huge and we've talked about this as well one huge honeypot and it's like instances like this where they just brush over it like oh no big deal it's like has the alarm bells going off but we've talked about that in the past too like even if you do assume that it is a cia honeypot you should have that assumption but it's better than nothing at the end of the day so let's go through just real quick let's just go through uh like some of Matt shower thoughts this week. Um, so like, let's say it is an attack. Everybody, right? everybody take a second, close your eyes, deep breath in four Unless seconds. you're driving in the car. Don't do it. Maybe even if you're driving, just picture Matt naked in the shower thinking this. <laughs> um, so, so it happened. The attack started on January 6th or the bug started on January 6th, right? Which was the same time the whole, the, the capital incident happened in the US Capitol and all the censorship events happened on the outside, right? Mm -hmm. um, the, the only services that were affected was the new address format, right? So anyone using the V3 addresses were affected. The V2 addresses were not affected. The directory service for the, you know, for the V2 addresses was not affected. So the V3 addresses are improvements in all these different ways publicly for, for why, why we, why as a, as a community, people on tour want to move to V3 addresses. Um, maybe there is some kind of concern with V2. Maybe there's some kind of undisclosed bug that the attacker knows about that allows them to locate, de-anonymize, do some kind of traffic analysis to V2 services. And they're hoping that by continuously knocking down the V3s, that some of these dark markets will will get will get anxious and and want the money that their revenue provides in the dark market and will switch to V2, right? Or or these censorship resistant platforms and they'll switch to V2 and then they hit them. Yeah. And I guess that would be that that to me would make sense is what this attack is, right? Yeah, just a hurting of users to to a certain format. The the freaks think you're a never nude person, Matt. They also, they're asking where the cabin is. I'm in between cabins. I'm just on a road trip. I'm just renting houses, by the way, guys. I rented the last cabin, then I'm renting this house, then I'm going to a cabin after this. The cabin life, baby. Yeah, it is. I mean, again, tying this back to Bitcoin Core version 0.21, I mean, they just made Tor V3 addresses sort of inherent in, in the new Core releases, correct? <laughs> yeah, so the timing was kind of ironic. Uh, well, the, is that is that why the the like the the pre-production releases had so many versions because they were trying to handle the the tour? I mean, this was the big release in general. It also has the tapered code in it. Yeah, yeah. Well, should we just? It's dive not in activated, it? but it's but but yeah. Before we get to it, I guess we'll just jump into it because we're we're talking about it. The now V three is the default in Bitcoin Core. 
but you can still go back down to V2 if you want. Mm -hmm. And also you have to remember that unless the whole network is running Tor, which they aren't, which has its own issues and concerns in terms of bifurcating the network and having you know forks and stuff that we don't want and, and different kinds of you know routing attacks that could happen to Tor only nodes. Um, if, if only a subset of users are using Tor for their Bitcoin core node and they're using it for their own personal verification and, and you know Bitcoin needs, they don't need constant uptime. Right. That's one of the nice things about Bitcoin, the way it's, you know, architected is you don't need constant uptime. Um, you can just run your core node through Tor when, when you need it, uh, when, when you're actually looking up balances, when you're constructing a transaction and broadcasting. Um, and, you know, you, you, yeah, you want to receive a transaction or something. Uh, but, but with Lightning, that changes, right? And when we're talking in general about connecting back to your own node. Uh, usually when we're talking about that remotely, we're talking about connecting through Tor and that's where you run into issues too. Like if your mobile wallet is connected to Tor. Yeah, and if you think about potential applications in the Lightning Network, particularly between exchanges, moving funds via private channels, that's an activity that will need as much uptime as possible as well. So be aware freaks, be aware. It was well, uh, I, when, yeah. when I first saw, saw the tweets of this tour three bug. You're the first person I thought of. I was like, oh, what's Matt saying? What's Matt thinking about this right now? I, I actually uh, just kept my mouth shut for. I, I there was there was, you know, there was I was I had I had a little bit concerned that like lightning nodes are going to start getting attacked. So I just didn't say anything. <laughs> Hasn't happened yet. Could potentially uh, happen. Could happen. Could could very well happen. I just, yeah, I, yeah, there's, there's something to be said there about like having watchtowers that are more uh, used and more robust that are on ClearNet as well, that are as like a service. So like some user without KYC, you can sign up to that watchtower would really help alleviate this concern that that's basically, I guess, long-term is kind of what we're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. But the problem is, is what we've seen with censorship in general is that those public entities could face kind of regulate, they could face regulatory risk, right? Like if you're running, if you're running some kind of Bitcoin service publicly on a, on ClearNet, I mean, then you're a known entity that can be pressured. Yeah. Yeah. Take all this into consideration, freaks. It's not perfect right now. It is getting better. That's actually, I think it's good to follow up this tour conversation with the Bitcoin Core version 0.21.0 release, because this is a massive release. It's a, I mean, it's technically a major release. We're starting a new version number in 0.21. But on top of that, it comes with a lot of really cool stuff that are going to help privacy at the P2P level, efficiency at the P2P level, UX around wallets with wallet descriptors. Um, They're changing the way you can relay transactions at the P2P level um, to make that more efficient uh, broadcast broadcasting um, is being fixed to help separate people from their IP addresses when rebroadcasting transactions. So is there anything in this release that you want to talk about first? Cause I could talk about basically everything that was released, but if you want to start anywhere in particular, we can jump in there. Uh, I mean, the big one for me was Tor V3, I thought, and then, like right before, <laughs> right, right before it hit proper release, we had this massive attack. 
Um, and then obviously the taproot, uh, taproot being merged in is, you know, obviously a massive step in terms of getting it activated. The free so, should be aware that doesn't mean it's activated. You know, th there's no central power that gets to activate it, but it exists. It's yes. In, it's live in the software. Yeah. So this is twofold, right? So taproot's live in the software and you can experiment it with it on testnet. I think particularly Signet, which is a new testnet that also got uh, pushed into the code base with this major release. So Signet is a more centralized uh, testnet network, test network uh, that Bitcoiners have been pushing for uh, to get merged into code for some time. That happened in conjunction with Taproot being officially merged. So now we can start seeing more people experiment with Taproot on testnet, which may incite uh, more pressure to get it activated uh, on mainnet so people can leverage all the cool things it could do. I mean, I highlighted earlier this week, uh, last month, actually, I missed, I, I didn't miss it. I didn't write about it until uh, yesterday, the day before, but uh, Nick Jonas or Jonas Nick, excuse me, a Bitcoin core contributor has been playing around with Taproot on Signet before it was officially merged in it to um, core. And he, he did something really cool with Taproot and ring signatures to help preserve privacy while doing a proof of reserves type situation, which is like, just like being able to have that merged in core and have people building these proof of concepts in Signet, just showing what it can do, I think is extremely beneficial for Taproot eventually getting activated and actually use that on mainnet. Uh, yeah, I mean, hundred uh, percent. I got a little bit distracted. We need more testing in general. As much testing as possible is good. Yeah, you freaks. Um, you got to put. Oh, you don't have two. I do, I'm I'm on the road. I have one screen, but the, I, like I I just realized that now that we're live, not only do we have the lovers live, we also have the haters live, and they're just gonna troll us. They're gonna troll us live in our own in our own troll box. So I appreciate you, freaks. Whether who's you're, hating? you're a troll or whether you're not, who's hating? Cheesing while you pop the bottle. I thought that was flattering. <laughs> uh, so weak. So yeah, I mean, so that's you get Taproot uh, merged, Signet activated, more testing there. Another big upgrade uh, being descriptor wallets, which is going to make it a lot easier to separate UTXOs with specific spending conditions from each other. So you know which UTXO is a single sig, just needs a, a, a single signature to be broadcast to the network to broadcast the transactions to the network, which UTXOs are associated with multi-sig wallets, um, which are which have sort of time locks in them. And, and so from a UX perspective and actually understanding what each individual UTXO can do in terms of spending conditions, this is a pretty big step up from a usability UI and, and just organization perspective in my mind. You can't stop looking at the comments. Look at him. He's, he's mesmerized with you freaks. <laughs> no, that was a good description, Marty. Thank you for for handling that so elegantly. And you should feed your owl. He's he's complaining that you haven't fed him all week. Well, you're not getting supper tonight either, Al. So keep crying. Um, we mentioned the mempool stuff earlier. They're going to reduce the amount of transactions that peers... Um, Transaction that's me reading release notes on the fly. Um, 
yeah, the amount of transactions that be, can be requested from nodes being reduced from 100,000 to 5,000 per peer, um, which was pretty interesting. And I think that has something to do with how they're changing the, the broadcasting of transactions, which we talked to Amidi Udawar with when she was on. She described this particular problem they're trying to fix at the P2P level, which is the issue of rebroadcasting transactions from mempools when you do that there's a privacy leak in uh in the terms of leaking your ip address on the rebroadcasting there's some time heuristics the way core was set up before version 0.21 that allow you to basically assume that a specific node tied to a specific ip address was sending a specific transaction so you could assume it was their bitcoin um so that they would do that multiple times it just increases the validity of that assumption and so to work around that they're reducing or excuse me increasing the amount of time between rebroadcast and actually changing the way nodes rebroadcast to to try to hide the ip of the person trying to send the transaction which is good dude you're fucking killing it on your release note reading right um yeah i mean i think that's really important people don't realize there's this weird nuance with bitcoin um that that it's it's a hundred percent the most private way to receive Bitcoin is to use your own node. But when it comes to sending Bitcoin, um, it actually, if you, if, if you, if you really care about your privacy, you should be sending it through a third party via tour, not through your own node yet. And like, we're basically the goal there is to try and, you know, cross that chasm so that if you use core, it is the most private way to send and the most private way to receive. But right now it's just the most private way to receive. Um, freaks in the comments saying that I should launch a new show on TFTC where I just drink and read the chat. Um, that's basically what Citadel Dispatch is. So check that out on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. <laughs> Incredible content. People are loving the dispatch, myself included. Learning a lot. It's a great vibe. The um, audio only. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, I, I think it's funny that people just jump to live stream, but they like no one, very few do the few do the audio only live stream. So I think it's a nice little touch. It allows, allows me to have NIMS on, which I, I fucking appreciate the NIMS. And I think more people should, should pump the NIMS. Um, so it's, it's a nice way to, to fill that, that little niche. Um, yeah. Someone mentioned in the comments that Wasabi broadcast via tour. Yeah. But it was pretty much unusable for the last six days because of V3 going down. So this is like the kind of things that we need to, um, I, I just, people don't realize we talk a big game and, and Bitcoin is very robust. It's probably one of the most, if not the most robust network, uh, distributed network that exists. Uh, I don't know what would ever compete with it really. Uh, but in a proper adversarial environment, in an, in an environment where we have all the major uh, superpowers, like I guess the three major superpowers all going after Bitcoin, it gets very dicey. And I think Bitcoin still survives in that situation, but a lot of things, a lot of assumptions we make um, die in that situation. And one of them, I think, is tour uptime. So I just want people to just stay humble with that and, and you know, keep building and keep improving our own practices and our own knowledge and yeah yeah that's why i'm so excited about this release and the the 
improvements to the P2P level, particularly, which are making Bitcoin more robust, more resilient against outside attacks. So another example of that is the addition of anchors.dat, a file called anchors.dat, that your node will now collect. And, and basically this is just an attempt that if your node falls offline for any amount of time, uh, the anchors.dat file will actually save two peers that you were connected to before you fell offline. And then when you eventually get back online, it'll reconnect with those two peers because you can assume that they were good peers when you were online before. Um, and this is an attempt to, to prevent any potential eclipse attacks where if your node goes offline and you connect with eight new peers that are all malicious, it can feed you bad data, that would be a bad situation. So now with the anchors.dat file, you can... When your node goes offline, it'll save two peers that you had before it went offline, and you'll reconnect with them to try to mitigate any any eclipse attacks, which I think is really interesting. That's awesome. Yeah, a um, bunch of other things, new RPC calls, and then I think a uh, big update in terms of Bloom filters. I am not well versed on what exactly got changed. Wait, no, it wasn't Bloom filters. It wasn't. I'm. It, it was it was neutrino it was, compact block filters which is the replacement of bloom filters oh yes 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 um was already merged into core you could already use it in core but you can only use it locally so you could use it for yourself uh now you're you're able to through core you're able to broadcast those filters out um the most popular solver that uses those filters is wasabi Mm -hmm. Wasabi is just the only entity that's sending out their filters to their users, right? So it becomes a central point of failure in terms of at least denial of service. You can't look up your balance. You can't use the software, right? It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean funds are at risk um, or a privacy risk, but they're the only ones sending out the filters. So you have to trust them to notify you a transaction happened. Okay. What, ideally, what we need is we want as many Bitcoin core nodes, you know, uh, broadcasting filters. Yes. So that these light clients, if you're not using your own node, can can hook into these these filters and and compare against each other. Um, and I guess I guess a lot of lightning wallets, the light lightning wallets, are also um, doing like a neutrino first approach. I, I know Lightning Labs is lightning wallet. They call it lightning wallet, which is super confusing. Yeah, uh, uses so neutrino by default. So I wonder if that has to do with BIP. 339 getting merged, which John Newberry, uh, Suhas, and Luke Dasher were working on, which changes, again, it's another P2P layer change, but changes the transaction relay, the way you do it. Right now, you, you relay TXIDs, but this change will make it so that you can relay WTXIDs, a witness transaction ID, um, where up to this point, Relaying TXIDs obviously works, but it comes with a little wrench that the, the witness attached to that transaction ID could be malleated or changed so that you couldn't have your transaction successfully relayed. This change uh, sends the, the witness transaction ID instead, which mitigates that risk as Marty, well. Did you send the bent out midstream? No, I didn't. I sent it out before... I went on with with Michael Krieger, so it must be uh, a, a latency delay. I haven't put it on the website yet. I haven't had time to uh, do that. Someone in the comments saying it came in midstream, and I was just impressed. I would have been. You haven't skipped a beat, so you're, that would really be a fact of multitasking. Well, yeah. Or you have some like phantom writer that, that's writing the bench. It hasn't been Marty for years. It was about uh, Bitcoin core version 0 0.2, 1.0, so that's why I'm doing so well in this particular section right now. 
There you go. Can we kick Marty's out of the, out of the chat? I'm not, not, not liking his vibe today. Should we tease him about censorship resistance? <laughs> the bad hammer. Um, another week, another breach at Ledger. Uh, you know, I, this is so fucked up, man. And they hit it. They hit it in their disclosure. They like hit it in their their blog post about how they're mitigating the previous leak. Yeah, it's all so. And then there was like a paragraph in there. They're like, oh, by the way, there was also a Shopify leak that they uh, reported to us. It's like an additional thirty thousand customers. And that was in September, correct? Yeah, something like that. I mean, look, this is you know, this is the negative of any Bitcoin focused business using. Uh, a third party like Shopify, right? You have to trust them. Um, this is part of the overarching thing. Why? Why Marty uh, nuke the site? you freaks enough to just nuke the fucking, <laughs> just nuke the merch store. There's no merch store. Just print your own merch. Yeah, we're we're trying to figure that out. I know people are asking. Actually, when I was back in Barstool last week, one dude was like, "What can you buy with Bitcoin?" I was like, "You can buy merch for my merch." I store. know. I saw that. I was like, "No, you can't, Marty." I was thinking we don't have a merch store anymore. I'm just thinking, fucking nuke the store like a week before that comment. You can buy a shout out. You can buy a shout out if you want to. Um, I think we'll have them at the conferences. We'll bring merch to the conferences. I like that. I like that too. Um, and then you can buy them only in Bitcoin at the conferences. Sats only. Um, I just want to just quickly like shout out to you going back to the being reunited with Barstool. That was fucking dope. Um, was I, ex- I specifically loved that um, all the haters got to say that you went there at the top and then after Bitcoin dumped, it rebounded before we had another rabbit hole recap. Yes. So is- we're basically at the same exact price we were last rabbit hole recap, except all the haters tried to dunk on us in the, in the midterm. And, and here we are dunking on them. I hope you freaks bought the dip. I don't know if the, another material one around these price levels is showing up anytime soon. And with that, it's that time of the show where we auto stack. I'm stacking right now just to, to prove the haters wrong. Uh, I'm going to stack a little bit. I'm My just, phone is over there, so I'm just going to I'm gonna wait to stack. But I stacked this morning. We, uh, agreed, we agreed to stack. I know, but I'm like not, not. I have my headphones on. I can't like. I can't reach it. I'm not going to jeopardize the stream. Freaks, all the freaks stack. Um, I uh, and stay humble. Let's go back to Ledger. This Ledger leak, you know, I I never use this product again. You know, you- like I just can't. I I appreciate I appreciate them. Um, I appreciate them doing the steps that they are taking going forward uh, in terms of deleting data. They discussed uh, reducing where that data is held in terms of third parties. Um, but yeah, it's just the the whole reaction to it and just like how haphazard it was in terms of that data to begin with just rubs me the wrong way. And just even like little things, just like the fact that like their announcement on Twitter used a fucking affiliate tracking link or whatever. It used like a bit.ly, you know, Jesus it's like Christ. such a slap in the face. It's like you're using a third party analytics platform for tracking your disclosure of another, another fucking vulnerability. Talk about not being me? able to read the room. Come on. Uh, it's tough. It's tough, man. Okay. The freaks are killing me, man. I got I'm going to stack. Yeah. Get your phone. He's getting his phone. And while he does that, freaks, and you get me in a black screen above me, 
we're going to go into the shout outs. We got four shout outs this week. This is a section of the show that we really do love. So if you guys want to contribute to the shout outs, go to tftc.io slash contribute. You pay us $50 worth of sats. We read something on the air. We like this a lot. We love you freaks. If you guys are listening on YouTube, wherever you may be listening, smash that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a rating if you can. Uh, everything goes a long way. We're trying to get good information out to pre-freaks. Pre-freaks? What do we call them? <laughs> Whatever. We got a fresh thing of a name. Fresh corners. corners. I like that. Fresh freaks. Um, so yeah. Every like, every like, subscribe. Thank you. Thank you. We needed that. And we pumped. We pumped like $500. My stack's up already, so. Well, I let the freaks, as 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 a good freak, I let the freaks front run me before I, I, I do my market stack. It's the only responsible way to do it. Where is the front run now? At what point in the morning is it? This was asked to me last night on Clubhouse, actually. I've noticed, I've noticed that my auto stack hits the top like every day now. I need to move it. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know what's fucking happening. It just hits the t- I'm not going to say when it fucking It's sometime in the morning eastern time because i think that is like the dead zone if you look at like time zones like the dead zone so it seems like like california's asleep new york hasn't woken up yet and it's after markets close in china right (laughs) you know like 5 a.m eastern time 4 a.m eastern time somewhere around there all right all right freaks who's gonna who's gonna be the early bird that's gonna get that that fresh stack alex is right my auto stack is set to 3 a.m but that's a bad time to set it I, I it's just always it, I tried to try to front run the freaks and it failed. I think you gotta you can't be you gotta do like four a.m. or five a.m. Can't be setting DCA buys while you're ripping a piss, eyes closed, peeing on the seat. Three a.m.'s a tough a tough time to get up a stack, but we are trying to front run Matt Odell, so I want proof that somebody's front running him. So we need something before I want to say four a.m. And we're getting into the shoutouts. We got four shoutouts this week, Matt. What's up, freaks? This is what this is what the type of shout out that I love to get. Love to share this news. What's up, freaks? This week marked one of the greatest days of my life as my wife and I welcomed our first child into the world, a beautiful baby girl. Nothing puts life in perspective and washes away the noise like looking into the eyes of your child. But it was made even sweeter knowing that I'd fully charged life back. In the crypt or the freaks keeping me humble. Um, much love, fam. From an anonymous, thank you for listening. Congratulations on uh, starting a family with your wife or uh, welcoming another member of your family with your wife. Uh, yeah, being a father is pretty dope. I think you're going to like it. Uh, get as much sleep as possible. That's the the only advice I'll give out right now. Cheers, freak. Uh, congratulations on your new fresh corner. Um... Marty, your mic like cut out for a little bit. I don't know if that's actionable advice because it came back, so we're good. Oh, Mr. Roboto, are we good now? Yeah, we're good now. Did you guys get the shout out? Do I have to reread it? I mean, we got the gist. There was like a, a little bit lost there. Um, but but cheers to the freak who 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 just had a, a little baby girl freak. Yeah, and shout out to Sovereign Hoddle Hodler in the chat. He just had a baby last week as well. Welcome to the Dad Club. No, you can't. You can't give you give them a free shout out. They're never gonna buy shout outs. You're reading comments. You gotta get we, we gotta. I know, but out. his 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 message was literally, "I didn't buy a shout out, but I became a dad last week." He said he didn't buy this shout out. Okay, that's true. That's true. Cheers, cheers, freak. Thanks for the non shout out. If you had a son on the kid, 
sovereign hodler maybe if you had a son he can meet this freak's daughter at some point in the future and you can have like a sat satrimony go on um they're trying to censor us marty that's that's why your audio cut out hey well are we getting banned after after last week i think uh wait, wait we got to tell the freaks about this we we literally got uh flagged by youtube after after last week's episode for just something completely random and had nothing to do with for sharing a blog post by brains by the brain yeah, software it was the slush it was the slush press release yeah well, they got us a flag brain slush or excuse me brains press release brains is the company that bought slush they've been the team behind slush pool um just using the slush pool brand name because that's what everybody's come to to recognize but yeah the brains brains team website almost got us banned from youtube shout out i mean they've owned slush for a long time I yeah mean, eight years now they've owned a majority of it since 2013. um but anyway, Marty, I was right. We're going to be banned off of this fucking platform very fucking soon. Very quickly. We got to figure but out. It. Don't worry, freaks. If you remember last week, we will get through to you. We will get to you no matter what the platform is. Uh, we will find you. And you can yeah. find us. Yeah. Here's a, a short and a, and a confusing shout out. I don't know if this is like an inside joke between freaks or if it was simply cut short. Happy birthday and to an awesome start. That's all we got. Happy birthday to whoever that was meant for. I don't know if that was like a tag on. Cheers, freak. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. To either you or your loved ones. Here's uh, here's the third. Shout out class of 2017 here. A simple Apple podcast search of Bitcoin led me to this gem. I finally finished the backlog of every single episode, episode y'all created. It's been a blessing to have y'all in the space providing quality education and allowing us to think freely during these tough times. It's encouraging to see the energy and clarity you bring to the space. Thank you for all the content and helping me improve my self-sovereignty, not only in Bitcoin, but in life. From at B-L-O-K-C-H-A-I-N-B, Blockchain B, without the, the first C in blockchain. Shout out to you, Blockchain B. Thank you for joining us. Very happy that you found the freaks found TFTC and most importantly that the content's been helpful on your journey. That's why we do it. We're just trying to help other freaks out. Cheers. Uh, consider changing your name to Bitcoin B. <laughs> <laughs> Got to pull it in there. Um, last shout out, another short suite, uh, a little bit more clear. God bless Jack Mallers and strike exclamation point. Yeah. God bless them. Yeah, it seems like the freaks love that rip as much as I loved ripping it. <laughs> that was a great rip. A lot of soul in that rip. You said it. I love the uh, the idea of sats as soldiers being sent around the world to perform tasks. It's. Uh, I love the idea of he. He said that he used that uh, analogy to explain it to like his team and like lawyers and regulators and shit. It's like I, I'm just like imagining Jack sitting in the room, just like so. You got these soldiers. They're sats. And we're sending them around the world, invading different countries. And then, and then we're going to send them to the other countries. And I was just like, but I love it. It's Everybody's good. sitting in the meeting like, ah, all right, we'll be back. Like, and strike. That's how we got global strike. And it's here. Um, yes, that was a shout outs. Thank you, freaks, for the shout outs. Again, we love them. We love interacting with you guys. It's one of my favorite parts of the show. Uh, it's just a cool back and forth. If you ever want to purchase a shout out buying on lightning or uh, the main chain this week, mainly main chain three on chain uh, transactions were used to buy three shout outs, one lightning 
because all their tour only nodes are offline because every freak it. knows they should not run their lightning node on clear <laughs> beware freaks tftc.io slash contribute if you want to add a shout out to this podcast solar winds not going away there was a breakdown of the the attack from oh, a, this one's fun as fuck from a technical perspective by crowdstrike.com i have not read the full blog this is your area of expertise so jump this into it, is a i think this is like a bitcoiners wet dream i was gonna say that and i was like it's live i should check myself um i i think it's you know it's i wouldn't say what you it's like it's what our threat models uh entail right and and basically it seems that the way the attack happened was they compromised uh the main compiler's machine and basically every time they compiled a new build every time they they took the source code which was clean source you know the source didn't have the bug in it and they they created a binary out of it they created an actual application that someone could run that process going from source to application was where the bug got introduced which is like the ultimate if you're talking about a, a, like a threat model like attacking an update process like attack, attacking a a a a release that's the way you want to do it right you don't want like if if Obviously, if you compromise the source, you can accomplish the same thing. But if you compromise the source, then someone could see it in the source. If you comp compromise the build process and people aren't building from source, which fortunately a lot of people in the Bitcoin world do build from source, but if, if most people aren't building from source, then both the compiler doesn't realize and the people who are running it don't realize. And you can hit multiple releases. Every time a new release comes out, hits the compiler and it, it adds the bug or the vulnerability. So it's the build system. It's the actual, the, it, it appears according to this analysis, it appears that the build process was compromised, which is super exciting, I mean, but not. It's, it's scary as fuck, but it's super exciting. The build process was compromised and the updates were sent out to users and then the users installed the compromised update. No, and this is solar winds to the people in the comments who are asking, which is, is that vulnerability we've talked about the last few weeks that hit like all the major, everybody. Yeah. Treasury got wrecked. Uh, grid systems got hacked. Like 300 of the top 500 companies or something. Yeah. It's, um, and this is why it's so important that people like Carl Dong are working on reproducible builds in geeks containers, which would help mitigate this potential attack moving forward. It's just like, yeah. And I completely agree with, your belief that this is like Bitcoin porn because it is. This is something <laughs> that like highlights a very, very big attack vector that was exploited in the wild and something that Bitcoin should strive to avoid in the future. And I'm happy to report that it seems that Bitcoiners have this type of adversarial mindset and are already working towards making this risk as, as small as possible again. If you haven't checked out what Carl Dong is doing with reproducible geeks builds, particularly it's G-U-I-X, um, go check it out. Go check out the episode recorded with Carl um, that, that describes it. I think he might have been on twice. So if it was, it was the first episode where we jump into geeks particularly. Um, no, but Second huge. time we just went deep into fucking coin selection. <laughs> right. Like, if you want to talk about Bitcoiners, I don't know. I, but anyway... Um, 
I just uh, this is this is something that you know if you build from source, you don't have this issue. It it, it goes along the trade off balances, right? It goes along with convenience versus security. And 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 the idea being the most convenient thing is auto updates, and obviously then you get pushed pushed a malicious update, and there's nothing you can do about it. And then like the second less convenient thing, but a little bit more security is you don't verify shit, but you don't update automatically, so you wait like a couple of weeks, and you 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 wait to see if like other people get hit, right? And then and then the next level on that thing is is you do use a binary, you do use a compiled blob but you check the PGP signatures of, of, of the maintainer. So at least you know what was put out is the same as what the maintainer believes he put out. And then the least convenience, uh, but the most secure is that you build directly from source. Uh, I guess, and then there'd be another level where you build directly from source and you actually can read the source intelligently and, and, and try and verify for yourself, right? And the, those are like the different levels. Um, and basically I think, uh, the, the biggest improvement we can get from people is to just get them to turn off auto updates. And like Bitcoin doesn't have auto updates, but I think that's the, the single number one improvement you can make. And with the solar winds attack is a perfect example, right? What they say, like 30,000 clients got hit is like the ones, the ones that didn't get hit were the ones that didn't update. They just didn't, they didn't have auto updates. They took like a year to update and they were fine. And again, this highlights why, Bitcoin being backward compatible with every version that's been created or as many as possible is is very high priority for for Bitcoiners. Um, just in case something like that, like what happened with Solar Winds, gets introduced in a higher version number, you have those lower version numbers before it was introduced to to fall back on. So again, if we're trying to grade Bitcoin in terms of its focus on uh, preventing these types of attacks from being successful against Bitcoiners. I, I'm very happy where Bitcoin Bitcoin's priorities are at the moment. So again, I'm going to read through the rest of the blog post. I only got to read like the first couple of paragraphs, but it seems pretty, pretty terrible. I mean, it is obviously terrible. Um, next up, good news, Dev Funding, Human Rights Foundation back again, uh, giving out grants this time. Uh, to our boy Ben Kaufman, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago. He's been working on Spectre and the Human Rights Foundation gave him a, and the Global Mesh Labs team, um, or excuse me, backing up, the Human Rights Foundation gave Ben Kaufman a $25,000 grant. They're also giving the Global Mesh Labs team $25,000, and that's being led by uh, Richard Myers, who's been on this podcast, one of the dope. Um, Myers brothers. Steve is is the other Myers brother, and Richard specifically is working on Lot Forty Nine, which I believe is a messaging protocol for mesh nets to to take advantage, or to incentivize people to propagate messages at the mes mesh net level using Lightning as sort of an incentive tool and a payment tool, and a spam civil resistance DDoS tool. Yes, that as well. Yeah, great to see. Shout out to Alex Gladstein and the team over at HRF uh, for their continued Bitcoin development. Um, if you are not funding Bitcoin developers and you find yourself in a kind of king mood because of Bitcoin's recent price increases, consider going to BitcoinDevList.com, which is maintained by me and Dennis Ryman, also a freak, um, and contribute to your Bitcoin developers today. Uh, you can do that in either 
cuck bucks or in sats. And I like to do a mix of both. I have my reoccurring uh, fiat donations know, that happen. I know what you're laughing at. And um, I also I also donate via sats. I, I, I got my GitHub notification today. Um, and I don't want to flex on American HODL too much, but it, it does. I'm currently I'm, I'm currently contributing three hundred dollars a month um, in dirty fiat to our beloved Bitcoin developers. Yes. Luke Dasher, he's looking for funds out there. He's been around for a while. It's controversial to many, but it's a dev. I think people should be supporting. Again, I, saw he's on the list. I, I am supporting him as well. Boss. He has one of the most, for whatever it's worth, he has one of the most uh, GitHub sponsors out of anyone, which is the the shitty money donations. It's well-deserved. It's well-deserved. Um, so go check it out. Shout out to Human Rights Foundation. Shout out to Alex Gladstein for pushing the ball forward there, getting more devs funded. Again, this is a trend that blew up in 2020. It's good to see it continuing in 2021. Um, that's what a lot of people worry that Bitcoin development is not going to be as robust as could potentially be if you had something like a dev incentive built into the protocol or um, uh, were able to raise funds via the protocol to pay devs directly. But I think the market is proving that Bitcoin is becoming such an important network and one that needs to be maintained more importantly that one that more and more individuals and companies alike are beginning to leverage and if they want bitcoin to succeed they're going to have to reinvest in the development of the protocol and again that trend blew up in 2020 seems to be continuing shout out to my my co-host here matt for bitcoindevlist.com where you plebs too you can contribute it doesn't have to be human rights foundation a square crypto a chain code a digital garage so, could be an individual so corn guy asked uh, the free corn guy asked in the comments if it is tax deductible. Uh, this is a nation by nation question. Uh, in America, 501c3 is tax deductible. Um, HRF's dev fund provides that. Brink, which Marty mentioned, um, is is trying to get 501c3 status. Uh, they haven't gotten it yet. If they do get it, you retroactively get tax deductible. Uh, donations. I am working on something on the side that I cannot talk about yet. Uh, besides what I just said, uh, that it. will provide something similar, but maybe a, a better alternative, or at least an alternative, which is good to have alternatives. Um, but if you do donate directly through Bitcoin Devilist, whether that's through GitHub or whether that's uh, directly as Sats, you're not going to get tax deductible. Uh, what's nice about GitHub is they they just Microsoft is just eating uh, the transaction fees. So th there's no charge there um, besides just like fiat devaluing itself over time, constantly, forever. Uh, but there's no actual charge from GitHub. Um, and then on the Bitcoin side, like it's, it's really nice just dropping better money into people's pockets without anyone standing in between you. And because of that, you know, you don't get tax deductible. It feels good. But if you donate SATs to HRF, you do get tax deductible. Yes. There's a 5013C attached to the place where you're sending SATs. If you're American. Yeah. There's a lot of nuance here. Yeah. It's um, a lot of nuance. They're, they're always trying to take your money. So if you can figure out a way to give your money to good causes without the tax man being able to get his VIG, always seek that out direct funding instead of giving it to the government so they could send hundreds of millions of dollars to Pakistan for gender studies. That's what, uh, that's what our tax money 
has been directed to these days. Um, should we just jump into software? No, we got plenty before software updates. Our girl, Christine Lagarde, the witch, the wicked, wicked witch of the ECB, the European Central Bank. She came out with some comments in an uh, interview yesterday, I believe yesterday morning, afternoon, European time, wherever she is, saying that uh, it's going to be imperative that the G7 and FATFA and all those terrible unelected organizations regulate Bitcoin because it's 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 incentivizing and enabling naughty behavior and it's just real rich coming from somebody like christine lagarde who is a convicted criminal and was convicted for negligence when she allowed the french president nicolas sarkozy to to send hundreds of millions of pounds or euros excuse me to to a business associate of his directly from french taxpayers she was convicted but she got a nice little finger wag tap tap on the tush at the time she was the imf president and she's basically walked through the motions into president, the position of president of the European Central Bank. Uh, the IMF, the uh, International Monetary Fund, which she used to head, is one of the most corrosive and evil institutions on the world. They are literally uh, private equity. They're basically just a large private equity fund that, that applies their tactics at the national level. If you go into the history of the IMF and their loans to countries in Latin America and Southeast Asia, uh, the the horror that's been wrought in the wake of the IMF showing up and trying to help people uh, is is pretty sickening. So seeing the Christine Lagarde's of the world try to say that Bitcoin is enabling these terrible things when Christine Lagarde herself has enabled something pretty terrible, JP Morgan manipulating gold prices, HSBC uh, helping Mexican drug cartels launder money, um, Jeffrey Epstein having a bank relationship with Deutsche Bank starting in 2013, years after he had been released from prison for the the abuse and trafficking of minors. Uh, and he opened that account with Deutsche Bank and then was sending money, large sums of money, hundreds of thousands of dollars to known co-conspirators. So laundering money uh, using the traditional system. So thank God we have Bitcoin. We can start to distance ourselves. And I said it in the bet yesterday from these deranged, degenerate smile fuckers. They don't care about you. They don't care about protecting you. They don't care about money laundering. They don't care about, I don't think they care about terrorism either. I know I always got in trouble for saying it. I think they like terrorism because it likes them to get more more control. And likes, they, they use it to leverage, uh, leverage public fear and, and take more freedoms from people. So Christine Lagarde, you, you evil witch, go die. Marty just looks up the YouTube ban list and just reads it every RHR. That's like, uh, that's basically the strategy that we're we're executing here. Um, to be clear, she's former IMF. Now she's ECB. Yes. Um, one win we had was the IMF tweeted out today: "Our digital currency is real," and they got ratioed on their poll um, as a dramatic yes. Uh, so, so that's fun to see. I want to read uh, Lagarde's actual comment. Um, because I think this is kind of uh, who's who's our boy in uh, in Congress, Brad uh, Brad Sherman. Brad Sherman, our boy who who really understands the value prop of Bitcoin. <laughs> if there is an escape, that escape will be used. So I think global cooperation and multilateral action is absolutely needed. Whether it is initiated by the G7, moved into the G20, and then enlarged, the FATFA is clearly an organization that has expanded in that respect. 
So she is pretty much calling out the exact bull scenario that I that I believe in Bitcoin. Bitcoin is an escape and it will be used. And I do not think their multilateral action is going to be able to fucking stop that escape. No, it's going to be resistance is futile, Christine. You can try all you want and people are just going to route around you. Again, freaks, the G7, the G20, FATFA, like nobody, like I don't remember ever voting as an American on like, hey, yeah, exactly. But I mean, just imagine someone like, I mean, in New York, we had the Triangle Fire. You remember the Triangle Fire? You learned about that in elementary school where they had the sweatshop workers and they, they locked the exits and then they died in the fire. And then we had fire code regulations. Like imagine thinking you're on the right side of history and being like, this is an exit and we have to stop people from using an exit. Right. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Well, that, that really, that's a, that's a tell there, right? That she's speaking with that type of language. It, it means that they feel the pressure, right? They feel that their lunch is about to be eaten and they want to have the the incumbent system persist for as long as possible. They're they're scared. That was that was a an admission of fear from Christine Lagarde that she's not going to have the power that she has had in the incumbent system. And again, let's focus in on Christine Lagarde. Like she gets away. Like we talk about Karstens from the Bank of International Settlements. We obviously talk about Jerome Powell. We talked about Janet Yellen, Ben Bernanke at the end of the day, Mark Carney. Uh, former Bank of England. I think he's up in Canada now. We talk about all these bankers, and the private bankers like uh, Jamie Dimon, Lloyd Blankenfein. Christine Lagarde skates under the radar. And again, the IMF, if you actually look at the the horror it has wrought on countries that it has given loans to, it's they've basically, again, taken the private equity shark playbook and applied it to a nation state level in the past. And, and she's treated like some incredible person that that it should be a leader in this world but if you look at her history and the institution she's been a part of and more importantly heading it's been terrible um for the people that that have been subjected to her decisions and it's only getting worse in in the eurozone like europe is falling like there was something earlier this week in italy like italy's government totally dissolved that's a, a shit show that, that nobody's paying attention to right now that could lead to big headaches for the European Union, particularly the economic union, which is one thing that I highlighted a lot more a couple of years ago, and it was very much apparent in more in 2011, 2012, 2013, when like the Cyprus stuff was going on. But the Eurozone, again, particularly the economic union is in dire straits where you have Germany and a couple other strong economies really pulling weight for the, the, the economies down south, particularly Italy and Greece. And um, it'll be interesting to see how they try to keep it all together, especially it looks like from what I read again, I'm not like very well versed on exactly what happened in Italy this week, but from what I heard, it's like a, uh, a pretty big deal. Like the, like people voting just like to dissolve the government, walk away, not particularly from the Eurozone yet, but um, I think it's the beginnings of, of an Italy exit of the Eurozone. Um, I mean, I'm surprised the Eurozone has lasted this long. Uh, I've been kind of an incorrect bear on it for, for a while now. Right. Uh, but they're due. They're due and, and they, they will fail. 
uh, soon. Um, I, I, I think to your earlier point, though, uh, a, a thing that we see in every space, not just uh, like the global elite rich people space, which I guess is what Lagarde is in. I don't know. Like, like what is her industry? It's just like global rich people. Uh, people have trouble in reputation games calling out other people. They don't have the balls to call out other people, right? And I think what's kind of cool and 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 I, I think what like the toxic, you know, Bitcoiners, you know, toxic Bitcoiners uh, talk about a lot is kind of cool with the Bitcoin space is that we do have this like level of fuck you money. We do have this exit from the system where we don't have to worry about necessarily the reputation destroying our livelihood um, that we can call out people, right? Because you just see in every industry, like almost every industry, the bad actors just aren't called out, right? Um, I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to, I, his name's escaping me, but but when you saw like all the Hollywood predators that that were getting announced, right? Yeah, exactly. They, they were all top dogs, right? And like no one wanted to step out of line and ruin their reputation and potentially ruin their career to to discuss it. So this is just a, this is a systemic issue we have across society as a whole. Yes. Tell these so people. Shout out to everyone who's willing to step the fuck up and and speak their fucking mind. Yes, should be spoken. I guess. I guess we have to transition to the Twitter conversation after that. Um, obviously, that's a big topic of discussion right now in the United States and around the world. Twitter banning Trump over the weekend. Pretty big blow to free speech in the social media era. Shouldn't be surprising that anybody's been paying attention. This seems to have been inevitable, the posturing from the tech woke, the elite tech woke, the woke tech elite, whatever you want to refer, refer to them as, is uh, that they were planning and trying to do their best to, to get him off Twitter. But it was a terrible, terrible, terrible move, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, I think this week has just been a week that Bitcoiners have been proven correct. Uh, right. It's just a massive validation of Bitcoin. I mean, I had uh my 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 thought of the week in the in the standard this week was um that social media can can ban the president of the united states the so-called most powerful man in the world um but we can't ban the least powerful person in the world with bitcoin and 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 obviously there's some nuance there you can't ban him easily you know there's like all this different fucking shit but really that's the goal here right the goal is to create networks create protocols create systems um where the least powerful person has just as much censorship resistance as the most powerful person in that network or in that w whatever that system is. Um, and if you don't have that, then you're going to have someone somewhere that is abusing that power. And I think the wake up call this week isn't that someone can get banned from social media. We've seen so many people get banned from social media across the board. It's that if it can happen to the sitting U.S. president, if the sitting U.S. president can get banned from Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all major platforms, YouTube, who, and then, and then if he moves to another platform, like the, the Google app store and the, the, the Apple app store will, will just remove you. Amazon. And then if that platform also serves you like, like AWS will just remove you from their servers. Like this concept that'll go after the most powerful person is a wake up call to people. But I think this is a systemic issue that we've had that we've seen happening. And I, you know, Bitcoin and other censorship resistant systems, specifically free open source systems are uh, 
a direct response to this. This is this is the real actionable way that we we solve this. You don't solve this with politics. You can't solve it with politics. Like in the ideal situation, what we want to see is like obviously like it'd be better and easier and more convenient for people if the the largest most powerful government in the world, the United States, cared about free speech to protect it. And we they have in the past, and we got complacent. But now that it's it seems to be turning, we we need free open source software. We 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 need distributed, decentralized, censorship resistant protocols to to protect our rights. Because if we do not have the leisure, the 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 easiness of having a a, a large you know nation state protect us, then we have to do it ourselves with technology. Completely agreed. No, no. Again, this last week very much highlighted the the blending of big tech and big government that is that is playing out right now which is ironic because the president of the united states got got banned but it seems like a lot of the pressure uh to ban trump was coming from people with a with a certain political tilt and weaponizing uh politics to force big tech companies to do things is a very slippery slope again it started years ago milo alex jones but other things as well um but this is like something i was scared about marty right and like i like 2020 was like a crazy fucking year right and one of the coolest things i think about twitter i mean people delete their tweets but one of the really cool things about this podcast is that you can just go back and you can just listen to us week after week, uh, just comment on on the events of that week and and where we where we sit, right? And if we look back six months ago, when when Trump unilaterally basically declared Antifa uh, a terrorist organization, right? He he was he was high time preference. Right. right. He was high time preference. And I called it out at the time. And it was my concern at the time is this idea that you can just label a large group of Americans, citizens protected under like, I love our global audience, but let's just go American centric for a second. Um, American citizens protected under the Constitution. Um, if, if once you label them and once you allow this concept that you can just label people uh, uh, terrorists and then all of a sudden they don't have rights. Um, we get into a really fucking scary situation. We get into a really scary situation where 100%, you know, like I, I call the Constitution a shit coin. I don't think we can rely on it, but but we have to be very careful here. Like, like I believe that every freak should be against this idea that American citizens can just be blanketly labeled. And I was consistent with that with Antifa, and I'm consistent with that with the U.S. Capitol building. And I think people should be very careful here it, like this it's a super fucking slippery slope yes yes when you start making lists and labeling citizens domestic terrorists people are talking about like separating children from their parents for re-education it's insane that's like that's why i'm so happy that we have bitcoin like the conversation i just had with michael krieger that's going to be out tomorrow morning highly I fucking love that dude recommend you freaks look out for that one but yeah that's what the crux of that whole conversation was hey we can decide to play these political games and and play into 
and say, woe is me, they're censoring everybody, they're kicking everybody out, or we have this opportunity via free and open source software to build a better future. Like you literally do not have to wait for the incumbent political system to bring about the change you want to see in this world. You can go build it yourself if you are so motivated and actually choose to act. Like the possibility exists today. And that's what I hope that conversation maybe helps some individuals do is break out of that left versus right, red versus blue mentality, which I myself obviously have fallen into <laughs> and fallen prey to, particularly this last year. I, I think in 2021, me individually, I'm going to focus hard and heavy on like Bitcoin education and worrying less about the politics, writing less about the politics. But yeah, and, and bring it back to the censorship, the specific instance we're talking about on Twitter. It's sad to see. I mean, obviously, Jack Dorsey is the CEO of Twitter and Cash App, which is a sponsor of our show, and, and having him, having Twitter, one of his companies, make this move um, and sort of justify it at the end, where I would argue it really isn't justified. It sucks, right? Because now, as people naturally wondering, like, when's this censorship coming to Cash App? Like, it seems inevitable to most people. It sucks for two reasons, because, like, Cash App is a great app to get into Bitcoin and get exposed to Bitcoin. It's widely accepted and used by millions of people around the country and around the world now. Um, and more importantly, the team, like I know a lot of the team that works for Cash App now and they're pretty hardcore Bitcoiners and just such a tough luck to to have your boss doing something on one platform that, that is completely anathema to the product you're working on another. Um, yeah, it's a weird, weird situation. I mean, you brought it up. Uh, yeah, maybe we had we had to, right? I uh, no other podcast does this. No other <laughs> podcast talks candidly about uh, the CEO of their lead sponsor. Um, I think first of all, it's important that people realize that Twitter was already a dead platform; it just hadn't been priced in yet. Um, and I think that people should realize that it is a different platform than Square. Square, he still has real control over Twitter. He has like pretty much no control over. He try. I, I, I honestly think he tries his best. I'm not trying to make excuses for him. And like, you can lynch me with him if you want. Uh, I'm not trying to make like this. I, if, if you're a freak and you've been here for a while and you think I'm just fucking playing the money card, it, like you go fuck yourself. Like I'm not, <laughs> uh, I, they do not pay me enough to do that. Um, I actually do think that he is, fighting the good fight for what it's worth. Uh, and that's just me personally speaking. Um, second of all, Cash App, I mean, we've said from the beginning, you know, KYC is a fucking issue. Um, custody is a fucking issue. I've, I've told people like, don't keep money on fucking Cash App. Like just don't don't keep money on Cash App. I don't keep money on Cash App. Um, and, and honestly, like they'd have trouble censoring me compared to you because if I flip shits, um, as a sponsor of the podcast, like they would look horrible. Like they would look fucking horrible if they held my Bitcoin and I don't even trust them with like more than 200,000 sats at any given time. Um, and that number just keeps going down because Bitcoin keeps going up. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an issue and I think there's no easy solution. I think we have these centralized platforms that are easy to pressure. I tried to discuss this on Silla Dispatch. It's a difficult conversation. It's a, it's a very nuanced conversation. Um, but ultimately, we need more resilient platforms. I think the result is going to be, hopefully, uh, more dispersion 
on a lot of different little smaller platforms. Um, I, I think I, I there there's no easy and I, I guess we could talk about Bitcoin Mastodon. We could talk about uh, BitcoinHackers.org, which had its own little crisis uh, this week. Um, yeah. They, like every system is going to have trade-offs, right? And that, that centralized system is going, to, the centralized system like Twitter is always going to be the cheapest, easiest way to broadcast uh, globally to as many people as possible. But you will always have the censorship issue. You will always have the centralization issue. You will always be someone else's bitch. They own your data. They can remove you from the service. Um, and then you're going to go down, you're going to go down the scale, right? You're gonna go down the scale if 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 you hand deliver someone a PGP encrypted message, that is the most censorship resistant social media that has ever existed, and that is fucking horrible to use. Like you're not gonna hand deliver you know PGP encrypted messages to people. Um, so we're gonna be at different levels of this trade off balance, and with Bitcoin Mastodon, as we saw, um, you can use your own instance. It is a federated open version of Twitter uh, where you could basically run your own node and interact with other people on other servers, um, or you can use someone else's server. And a lot of people were using friend of the pod, Rodolfo's uh, instance, bitcoinhackers.org. Um, and, and now there's censorship issues because you have to trust him. You have to trust him and all the liabilities on him for all the content that's being put out there. And, 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 and you start hitting these kind of issues. So really what we wanna see, I think, is, is you want to see models where people are are using their own instances or you know i i still think mastodon has its own issues and i, I don't think we're quite there yet um but even with mastodon the best case scenario for mastodon is that we have smaller private instances that all interact with each other we don't want all the bitcoiners on a single fucking instance that can be logged that can be tracked that can be shut down super easily you don't want that you want as many smaller instances as possible um, I'm not going to defend Rodolfo's actions. He is a friend. Disclosure. I don't agree with everything he fucking does. Um, but he has shut down signups for Bitcoin hackers. He, he wants people to move away from his instance. He wants people to use smaller instances. I think long term, that's best case scenario for Bitcoiners. I think we, if, if we are going to use Mastodon, we need to have many small instances. And I think that's a stopgap. And then we move forward. And I think we have multiple tools that are disposable. We have Telegram. We have Keybase, BitcoinKeybase.com. We have a massive group of Bitcoiners over there, over a thousand Bitcoiners now, um, with multiple different subgroups in within BitcoinKeybase.com. Um, we have Sphinx. Come join us over at at Tales from the Crypts uh, Sphinx Tribe, uh, tribes.sphinx.chat. Um, and 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 we're gonna have multiple different platforms, and 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 that's really that that that's that's the way we're gonna see this thing go, and. Yes, it's not ideal. Oh, I wish I had a global platform where I could hit everyone. Yeah, 100%. But if censorship resistance is the important thing, we're not going to have that. And this is a trade-off we're going to have to deal with. Right. Yeah, it's... Um, beware, freaks. Trade-offs exist. And it's a weird new world. We potentially fucked up the internet uh, the way we, we designed it with all these centralized service, uh, services up to this point in town. And... I think, um, yeah, it sucks to see uh, all the censorship going on when there's so much potential for, for good to be created out of all the technologies that exist today and those in power 
and those uh, in high positions in the, within the tech elite are just deciding to to squash freedoms, which sucks. Um, just yeah. a reminder here for a two, a threefold. Let's go threefold. First of all, uh, like Trump was kind of on on point with with seeing it all happen and, and try and push back, but this whole idea of removing Section Two Thirty is a horrible fucking idea. Agreed. Um, we will see more. We will see more censorship, not less, because Section Two Thirty means that they don't have liability for what's on their platform. But if if, if all of a sudden they have liability for every single shit post, then you're going to see more so-called far right or whatever content that is it, it deemed you know, not allowed is going to get removed just voluntarily to protect themselves legally. Um, the second thing is this idea that we can run on our own nodes. Yeah. hundred percent. This is the Bitcoin way, right? This is the way like we want, we want to be able to use my own local hardware to do it, but you have to realize, you have to realize that this is going to rely on right now, as it is, is relies on Tor. It relies on Tor. Otherwise, you're going to expose your IP address. So can we rely on Tor for uptime? I'm not sure if we can. Um, and then the third thing is just like, guys, there's no perfect. There's no perfect solution. There will not be a perfect solution. The perfect solution is that our government should be not be actively working against us. They should be fighting for our own best interests. We're in failure times. If, if you're in a time when you have to worry about your own government that you pay taxes to, that you live amongst, that that you have to, you have to fight them because they're not working in your best interest, that they're not helping you, that they're actively fighting against you. That's failure times. There's no best case scenario there. We just do whatever we can fucking do. We do the best we can fucking do. Yes. And there's like there's gonna it's gonna be a fight. It's gonna be pain. There's there's no easy solution. No, we are debt serfs. What's up, fellow debt serfs? That's what we are. We we are cogs in a machine that is run amok and is woefully off track and people are going along with it most people are going along with it most people want the government to step in and to solve a lot of these problems and are willingly giving away their freedoms because their feels have been hurt so bad i like i like what you just said there we're in failure mode like it has it has failed we don't have fucking free speech in america anymore like are we free like again i had this like internal battle where the the american ideals that this country was built on are something so incredible to strive for and something that should be strived for and we should try to build technologies and systems that assure that we get those ideals or as close to those ideals as possible moving forward but it's hard to say that i love i love the idea of america those ideals but america in its current form today even if it is still the freest country in the world comparatively it's not as free as it fucking can be and you shouldn't you shouldn't be okay with that you shouldn't just take it lying down and be like oh well we have more freedom than those guys over there so it's like it's it's better but they're trying to fuck you freaks they want to control you and it's going to take a lot of work to build these open source systems these open source solutions that get us our liberties back particularly free speech and association in the digital age so before you get marked a, a domestic terrorist for being a bitcoiner because that's coming that's coming like all these people are getting deplatformed by twitter uh, apple app store 
uh, plaid stripe AWS. You see what Chain Analysis posted while we were recording? No. They said the far right received donations via Bitcoin. Yeah, f- exactly. Fuck you, Chain Analysis. Of course they did. That's what like Bitcoin's an apolitical messaging protocol. And guess what? It is there when people need it most. And guess what? If you're going to de deplatform and demonetize all of these people on the far right, like love it or hate it, Bitcoin exists and it is going to be there for them because it doesn't know. Bitcoin, the network has no idea that we label these people as alt-right and they have certain ideas and are using Bitcoin for specific purposes. The Bitcoin network has no idea it will send the the transaction of a proud boy as well as an Antifa member in the same block. Like it doesn't care. Um, and, but they're going to use this narrative. They've already, they've already tested out the narratives with the Silk Road, Bitcoin's for drug dealers and, and uh, people doing shady shit on the internet. And now Bitcoin is the, the domestic terrorist currency of choice. It's coming freaks front run it, push back and be like, all right, asshole. That's yes. Of course they're using it. They have no other option. Um, but it's just the way it is. It's not the way you can't nerf the world. What do you like? What do you expect to do? I was listening to Tim Dillon's podcast. He made a really good point. If you're going to deplatform and go after these people, have a witch hunt on these people, like, and just like get them out of their jobs, get them even more desperate. Like, how do you think they're going to react? Do you think they're just going to go home and, and be like, ah, they won. I'm done. Like, you're just going to enrage people even more. You're just stoking more tension. Like it doesn't make any fun. It's not deescalating the situation in any way, shape, or form. You're just escalating and pushing people to the edges, which is going to get us in a hairy situation, not us. I'm not going to be storming the Capitol or going to any demonstrations. The The best way to protest and to fight back against this stuff is to do stuff like we're doing now, educate people about Bitcoin, build on Bitcoin, make sure you're using Bitcoin as privately as possible, make sure you're adding to Whirlpool liquidity to increase the, the anonymity set of the whole network, not only yourself. Like you don't go storming the Capitol building. It's not going to be as effective as running a full node. I mean, I, and I, we, I try, I tried to discuss this more at length uh, with two freaks, Ben, the Carmen and Janine uh, with Citadel dispatch. But my biggest divide is if you ask, like people get very uh, nationalistic, right which i respect like i i love america i'm looking at an american flag right now you just took a picture um, took a picture of the american flag with the sunset behind it um midstream because that's how much of an american i am but at the same time look, look at me i'm in the middle of the wild west here look at you dude look at you you're just great american mining i see the i see the mine over there that was my favorite part of barstool where they were like Wait, it's like real mining? Like like you have to deal with resources and shit? Um, yes. But but so the divide is the divide is if you asked an American, if you asked an American, can we trust can we trust the Chinese government with regulating speech and deciding which speech is allowed, which speech isn't? 95% of Americans at least would say no, you cannot, right? And then if you asked a Chinese person uh, can, can you trust the American government uh, with regulating speech? 95% of the Chinese population would probably say no. Um, where is that divide where 
we're fine with our own government regulating the speech, but we're not fine with another government regulating the speech. How is that all how all of a sudden like our corrupt politicians are way more qualified to decide which speech is allowed speech and which speech isn't? They're and th this is a global issue, right? And it's a perspective issue. It's something that people need to think about because if you have a central party that decides what is the speech that is allowed and what is the speech that isn't allowed, you will always have problems. You will always have human greed. You will always have people stepping in and, and just only doing things for their own best interest. Uh, and, and you will never have a proper public discourse. I agree. Politicians the world over all are all terrible scumbags. Like Xi and company, they're going to team up with whoever it may be, whoever's in charge. Like that's maybe the one saving grace for Trump in my mind, at least, is he at least put up a facade that he was fighting back against China's encroachment, in particular their surveillance arm to the rest of the world. But the, if you look at the U.S. intelligence agencies, they want to be better at, at what China does and subject us to what China does. Like, like we're not, they're not going to save us. We have to save ourselves. Save yourself, freaks. Like, don't depend on these politicians to do it um, or a tech platform to do it or anybody else but yourself. Like, you have to run the nodes. You have to contribute to the discussion, the education, the efforts. It's going to be, it's going to be like, there's a good argument to be made that the experience on the internet, if we go this route, is going to be considerably worse than we've become used to in recent years. Um, it's going to be more clunky experience, but eventually, hopefully, we can get the open source solutions to a, a user experience point that we're comfortable with with centralized solutions now. Um, but we're going to have to take a, a potentially take a step back in terms of user experience and usability to get true freedom in the digital age. It's it's imperative. It's never been more important than ever. But luckily, it's also never been a better time to build on open source projects. Bitcoin being one, um, Tor being another. There's there's many freedom enabling projects out there that people are working on. The opportunity to build this this freedom respecting digital world exists now more than potentially at any other point in human history. So, to end this message on a positive note, like you have a better opportunity than ever before to actually build this stuff out. Speaking of building this stuff out, there are many Bullish. people, many people building this stuff out right now. We're at the software updates. Um, we're already like an hour and a half in, just getting the software updates. You front loaded this. Um, well, I front loaded this. The week has been insane, freaks. Right? The week has been fucking insane. If you've been waiting for a week that validated the Bitcoin value proposition, you found it. This was the week. Right. It really was like on, on all accounts. It's been crazy. Um, but if you're running software out there, here are the latest versions of some of the software that we're paying attention to. Obviously, we mentioned Bitcoin Core with its new major release. So that's version 0.21.0. If you're running Bitcoin and want to upgrade and see all the cool new cool things with Core, um, you can do that. Blue Wallet version 6.0.2 has been released. Blue Wallet's becoming my favorite Uh my favorite mobile wallet. I've been using it on iOS and I'm just loving the experience. Um, I just wanted to put that out there. So on Clubhouse, that's like one of the one of the most popular questions is questions about wallets. 
Um, and so, yeah, if you're a freak who's new out there wondering like, oh, how do I take possession of my Bitcoin? What kind of wallet should I get? There's levels to this stuff. Um, and again, obviously sponsor, but it's the way it was described last night, like cash apps level one. Like if you want to buy a little bit there, um, that's level one. They have custody of it. You, you really are just getting minimal exposure by buying Bitcoin. Level two would be moving when you're comfortable, small amounts of Bitcoin to like a blue wallet or a green wallet or a samurai wallet on a mobile phone, um, getting comfortable moving it from one app on your phone to another and, and receiving and sending transactions with small amounts, level two, level three, hardware wallet, like a cold card, uh, a Trezor, a Jade wallet, whatever it may be these days, get comfortable with that. Level four, uh, multi-sig, whether it be by yourself or with a, um, somebody's doing collaborative custody like Casa or Unchained. Um, so if you're new and you're thinking about like, when do I move my stuff to a wallet? Go through the levels, start with the exchange, then uh, small amounts on a mobile wallet, which the UX around those is getting better. Then once you get more, go to a hardware wallet, get comfortable backing up seeds, recovering from seeds, protecting seeds, protecting your physical wallets. Um, yeah. Just went on that little rant. Well, I mean, Blue Wallet's so dope. There's some nuance there um, because you can use it in multi-sig mode with offline signers. Right. Uh, so Blue Wallet is dope. I 100%. I've, I, there's only two mobile wallets that I recommend anymore for on-chain, and that's Blue Wallet and Samurai, and Samurai's Android only. You iPhone plebs just... Uh, I guess you're just waiting for Bitcoin apps to just get banned on the App Store, right? And then you'll switch over? Right, right. It's coming. Um, but yeah, Blue Wallet is dope. They've been fucking killing it. They've been fucking killing it. So props to them. Yeah, uh, we, I, we I appreciate you. And I especially appreciate the uh, the idea, this concept, this ability that it can be a signer and a specter or a sparrow multisig. Um, that's pretty cool. That you can use like an old phone wallet as an independent signer in your multisig is fucking dope as fuck. Right. Um, yeah. So Blue Wallet version six point zero point two has been released. If you're running that, go check it out. Uh, you got to fix the the link associated with this update. BTC Pay Server version 1.0.6.5 has been released. In the show notes, you have a link to an article about backed going public. <laughs> Which is also in the show notes. <laughs> um, Freaks, I've been I've just been running. I've been rushing to get to get up on on the air. So so I apologize for that. We'll make sure we get the the correct we'll BTC Pay Server link. Raspi Blitz version 1.6.3 has been released. If you're running that, go upgrade those if you're comfortable. Uh, Sparrow version 0.9.10 has been released. Hexa Wallet version 1.4.1 has been released. Fully noted version 0.2.9 has been released. And Rodolfo warned me about this major release for Cold <laughs> Card this week. Version 3.2.2 has been released. And that comes with a pretty extensive blog post. We will not read all the release notes here, but it's pretty big changes, um, mainly around uh, address explorer improvements and multi-sig improvements. Um, so being able to uh, look up addresses and then utilize multi-sig easier. Um, so you can view sub-accounts as they're exported. Um, finally has multi-sig wallet support on the app, I'm guessing, or on the device. Um, you can enter any custom derivation path, which is pretty interesting. That's for more advanced users. Um, I'm reading the show notes now. I told I told myself I want to do this, but yeah. 
Big update. Uh, Rodolfo called you out and told you you were going to have to do it. He did. Um, I I love the idea that 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 people are writing release notes knowing that Marty has to read them, <laughs> which is how you know we've made it. Also, coincidence? I don't know. He released it three hours before RHR, made sure to get it out in time. This is what we've been telling maintainers. You should get your software out right before RHR so that we can that we can break the news live you know that that's the way to do it um so the the big thing with cold card here the big thing for me was a request that i asked for so we've actually had two cold card updates since the last rhr um the most recent one is 3.2.2 but there was 3.2.1 since uh 3.2.1 added move the address explorer from like hidden in a menu up to the front. It's like the third thing you go down to, which is super important. Like if you're using an air gap mode properly, you're supposed to verify every address. Like motherfucker had us going all the way down deep in the menu. So I made sure that we got that all the way up on the front of the menu. Um, all you people who are using cold card based on my guides and shit, make sure you're verifying it on device, the address. You want to verify the address on the device. Yes. The second thing is with the most recent update, you can verify multi-sig addresses now, which is huge um, because you want to verify it on device. And the idea is that if the computer is compromised, the device you're using to, to, in, to, to use your cold cards is compromised, it's going to show you an incorrect address and, and, and the cold card will show you the correct address. And if they don't match, you know it's incorrect. That's the idea. So, so now we have easy access for single SIG. We have multi-SIG support, even if you're not using just cold cards. But not every setup is supported. Um, but, but even if you use the cold card with others, other, other devices, it should, if they use standard derivation paths, it should show it, and they're going to expand support there. Um, so you can air gap check on your device. Another thing you can do if, if, your your setup is is not standard is you can have multiple computers that are running uh either the same software or even better different software uh that that is showing you the addresses so if you have two computers um one running sparrow one running specter and they're both set up with the same multi-sig setup and they're both showing the same address then you're you're probably good to go and if the cold card showing the same address because it's a standard setup, even better, right? So there's like all different levels to here. Um, and I, that's a good bridge, I think, for, for me to go into Sparrow and Hexa, which Disclosure Hexa has gave me a, I'm an advisor for Hexa and I have a small equity position in Hexa, 0.75%, uh, I believe. It's on mattadel.com if you want to check. Um, the Both of them made easy support with Core which I think is super important, right? So, so Sparrow is massive. It's, this is massive for Sparrow, uh, is, is that now they have BWT um, by Sheshek, uh, which is basically, a, an, it's an Electrum server that's built directly into Sparrow. So you can use it alongside Core, and it's, all you need is Bitcoin Core and Sparrow, and, and it, you have access. Isn't that the plugin? Right, but it's built in now. Okay. It's the Electrum plugin, but it's built into Sparrow. Okay. So you can use Sparrow with either an Electrum server or you can use it with Bitcoin Core. And what's really cool there is you can have two laptops you can or two desktops 
and or a desktop and a laptop and one is running specter plus core and one is running sparrow plus core and then you have your multi-sig and both are going to show you the same address and if they don't show you the same address then then don't send it to that address right, right? so you have yeah two different multi-sig quorum creators so you're verifying through diff two different well you have two different coordinators yes there we go right and then you have whatever signers you've decided on and hopefully one of those signers is cold card and hopefully it's a standard setup so you can verify it on cold card you can verify it on the multiple coordinators you can verify it across the basis if any of them are incorrect you don't send to the receiving address so you're 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 we're slowly improving our setup here um to be more resilient it it, it becomes kind of ridiculous to attack someone yeah. Right. And, 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 and to the point where you have to realize, like, it's, it's the age old joke that we made in elementary school and shit. Right. Is like, you don't have to be the fastest person. You just have to be faster than the slowest person and the bear will eat the, <laughs> will yeah. eat the slowest person. Right. Right. And that's what it is. Uh, that's the unfortunate reality. The unfortunate reality is that they're going to send phishing emails out to people and go for low hanging fruit before they try to switch out addresses. Yeah. They're not going to uh, No, there's, there's, except for the the richest person ever yeah unless you you're know, someone who's worth billions of dollars worth of bitcoin no one's going to go through the trouble of trying to deceive two coordinators and like multiple signers no it's logistically a nightmare yeah they're going to go for low-hanging fruit they're going to go for the easiest so freaks don't ever give your seed phrases out to anybody asking for it you should never be prompted to put your seed in unless you're recovering from seed. Don't fall for these phishing attempts. They're they're going to increase. That's why the news out of Ledger is is very troubling. It's going to make it easier for those phishing attempts to happen against Trezor clients specifically. Um, last software update, Mempool V2 has been released. Major release this is pretty cool. Uh, supporting backends for Bitcoin Core RPC, Electrum Server, and eSplora. Uh, it's going to have a fully functional block address and transaction explorer with APIs, the dashboard layout displaying fee estimates and other real-time stats, which has already been there, um, and support for multiple networks, including Testnet, Liquid, and BISC. So they're adding some, some data to the platform, too, of some tangential Bitcoin software. Um, yeah. It seems like the pretty big one. So shout out to Wiz and team. So the big thing here is mempool v2 is already live on mempool.space if you use it. But now like the additional functionality that you've gotten comfortable with, with mempool.space, you will get on your own node, whether that's Raspi Blitz or Umbral um, or Ronin Dojo. If you run your own dedicated Pi node, now you'll have that actual functionality on, on for mempool. Yes. With your own node. But remotely, if you want to connect to it remotely, you're going to have to rely on Tor. So hopefully Tor will be up. Hey, hopefully. Hopefully. We can only hope. I don't know if I'd like that we can only hope. I just want to, I mean, I, my conversation with Catan and uh, Wiz was ridiculously timely considering all the censorship that we've had. Um, you, 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 you should go listen to that if you haven't listened to that yet. Like it, it was, it was, uh, it would be a great conversation for today, and it happened before today happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
our boy Matt Odell has been on a content grind the last three weeks. It feels like you've been should... on a show a day at least or a panel a day. We should talk about that. We should talk about uh, my work at Bitcoin Magazine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How was, um, how's it been going planning uh, Bitcoin 2021? Uh, I, so, I mean, I will bet anyone that Bitcoin 21, 2021 happens. Um, but I have insider knowledge, so that's not allowed. I say you shouldn't pet me. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, we're going to plan the best 100K party ever. I think, um, I mean, you can ask Marty. Uh, the big secret here is is that we would, I mean, I, I would advise anyone uh, for free for the better of Bitcoin. And, and if, I, if, I can, if I can convince someone to let me bill them hourly, like that, that's the fucking gold mine. But, but the Bitcoin Magazine team is fucking fire. It's run by a bunch of plebs over there and uh, they're, they're proper Bitcoiners. Uh, and, and they're trying their best. And, and I, I've been helping them, you know, construct their content and decide what's important and decide how, how, where to focus their energies and, and, and how to make the best hundred K party possible. Um, and, and, you know, I'm just looking forward to, to seeing how this all, this all plays out, but it, you know, it, it was time, it was time for a public, it was time for a public announcement. Um, but to be honest, like we, the two of us have been working with the Bitcoin Magazine team for years. I mean, <laughs> right. I, I love those guys. Uh, we had RHR live on the roof uh, for their last live conference. We're going to have RHR live on the roof on the next fucking one. Um, and it's going to be fucking a great fucking time. It's going to be a great fucking time. And it's important that we have... Uh, we, ha we have established media that's like a proper proper media outlet uh that's not just like putting crypto in every fucking title and is like filled with proper bitcoiners and and that's why it's super important that i think that we support bitcoin magazine and, and they're not perfect and they're gonna make a lot of mistakes they have made a lot of mistakes um but they mean well and 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 that that's that's been my focus over there when they have the stalwart from a technical journalism perspective in this space aaron van weirdom actually reading his piece helped me write my piece today i wrote um his breakdown of of core version 0 0.2 1.0 i mean and anything he breaks down really is is incredible and any, everybody else at bitcoin magazine is doing their part to to get quality bitcoin information out there shout out to zk ck excuse me not ck got ck snarks on the mind ck um david everybody I had David on the pod. Go listen to that episode. That was a fucking fire episode. Yeah, he'll get David you bullish. Bailey. Um, we we have uh, Pete Pete Chagua over there. Uh, sorry if I mispronounced your name. Is an OG, um, but the big guys, the big guys recently, the new the the new guys that have taken that have come over. I mean, Aaron, shout out Aaron. He's not new. He's been there forever. The the new guys that have come over is CK fucking joe rogers and nick can't mind nick was with with you previously at, at dick as dig as an intern um like th those are like they're they're fucking just running shit you know and they're just yeah. trying to make shit happen and they're just trying to provide a platform for bitcoiners and i think it's super important entering this bull cycle uh that we're just firing on all cylinders and let, let's just let's just fucking go let, let's 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 make this year fucking insane Right, and well, I'm that, super excited for 2021. I, I I think I think 
Bitcoin, Bitcoin 2021 is going to be fucking ridiculous. It's not only are we going to be over 100k, um, we're going to be off the back of this pandemic bullshit, and it's just going to be fucking ridiculous. And then we're going to follow that energy directly into Bitblock Boom, um, which was the original 100k party. It just happened at 10k. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, and I, I think I'm terribly bullish bitcoin as we move into 2021 right because i mean thank god for bitcoin magazine bitcoin 2019 when i mean when that conference happened it was pretty much well we were sort of pumping that weekend too it was right around like yeah 12. i mean that's when i told everyone to, to yeah to, to stack the top it was like thirteen thousand dollars no but i'm well but imagine put, those guys now are they're up 3x right that, great financial advice well i'm um I'm uh, like really bullish on this year too, because I think Bitcoin, in terms of being able to onboard new users and have them have a, a base layer knowledge and understanding of what Bitcoin is, its value prop, and why they should be uh, stacking sats is better than it's ever been. I mean, the amount of, I'm not trying to sucker on dicks here, but the amount of content that we've contributed to over the last few years and many others in the space, either whether it be writing medium post, producing podcasts, producing YouTube content, is at such a point now where our battle against the mainstream, the Christine Lagards of the world is so much easier, where we have such concise messaging and, and a swarm of a take sailors quote, cyber hornets that will basically find people spreading bad, information about bitcoin and correct them almost immediately in public and it's going to be hard socially to overcome that 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 threshold of education that's been reached and there's so many people able to to correct people when they're wrong that this time around like like all the bitcoin is dead articles or christine lagarde's coming out and shitting on bitcoin or steve munchenbutt's coming out and shitting on bitcoin is going to be met with so much like good information that's going to be hard to deny we're just going to steamroll these motherfuckers fuck these people let's just steamroll them freaks steamroll them marty if we're talking about um us hustling outside of tftc uh to try and bring bitcoin to the world as seamlessly as possible uh, to help as many people as possible of course because we're in it for the tech a hundred percent um hundred percent we're a technology think, podcast we're not investing podcasts yeah, by the way, freaks, by the way, just remember TFTC, we are in the technology category. We what Bitcoin did and Pomp, they're in the investment category. Um, so they are showing you investment advice, uh, but we're giving you way better investment advice and we're hidden in the technology sector. Uh, so to keep that in mind, but we're in it for the tech. Uh, my point is, is, is Marty, you on 51 Strokes, a Barstool podcast. Um, that was fucking fire. Like you, you, oh, fucking, thank you, sir. You did, you did a really good job over there. Uh, I was really proud of you. Oh, thank you. It's hard. The pressure was, it's intense. And that's actually something I found out from being on Clubhouse the last month or two and trying to participate there is like TFTC, the bent, everything we do here is very, like, very high or low level. Like, 
talking about Bitcoin and nitty gritty news going on in the space every day, but having to take a step back and just field random questions about random parts of Bitcoin and respond on the spot is harder than, than I thought. So I appreciate that you thought I did okay there. I was worried that I was just like sounding like a madman. So, so the important thing that I have to, I need to bring up for our super dedicated freak, I forget his tag name is, is you were on a golf bar stool podcast. You didn't mention our charity golf tournament for Bitcoin developers. Like how, how does that happen? Like, how do you, how do you end up in that situation? And you don't mention our massive charity golf tournament that we're going to have this year. It's uh, it was <laughs> to say that it, it was a fumble on my part would be an understatement. I totally missed the opportunity. I don't think the word golf was mentioned once, even on this golf podcast. Um, like I thought we'd be like, oh, so how does Bitcoin relate to golf? And I tell them about how Bitcoin 2019, we were able to go play the Olympic club because, um, because somebody invited us while we were in town. Like I thought that was going to be the conversation, but no, it turned into describing mining and how, it had why nothing to do with golf. No, nothing. Go check it out. I, I mean, I think I'll be back on the 51 Strokes podcast every once in a while now to give an update. Um, but no, I mean, that's when I first started working at Bitcoin or working at Bitcoin, working at Barstool um, and writing and talking about Bitcoin, like 2017, I felt like the need to get close to Barstool then just to help, uh, just to help get good information to, to people working at Barstool, but stoolies in general. Um, but it was funny reminiscing it's the lesson learned is you're never going to be able to like shake people straight into just DCAing into Bitcoin the way shit coins work. They're just naturally going to be drawn like flies to shit. But as Caleb basically described, yeah, he learned his lesson. He got burned, learned his lesson. He's DCAing in now. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, we're going to, that's another thing in 2021. We're going to try and outreach to non-Bitcoin podcasts and, and different audiences to, to get, again, quality information. That's our, we're in an information war here in the digital age and we're trying to do our best to get people quality ammunition. Podcast. Yes. But like, we'll never forgive you for not chilling our amazing golf tournament that we're going to have. You're the one organizing it. I, you have not thrown a date out yet. So I, I, I've, if I were going to mention it, we're going to say, "Hey, you show up at some point <laughs> later." Dude, this you year. were literally on a golf. You were on like the the most prominent golf podcast that exists. I, does, is there any better golf podcast than Fifty One Strokes? Well, see, I think you're getting Fifty One Strokes confused with um, Foreplay, which is their other golf podcast, which is actually like they actually get on courses and interview Tiger and stuff. Barstool is like their best competition is their sales. It's true. <laughs> that true. Do it themselves. They should not have gotten rid of Bitcoin, Marty. Poor, poor Barstool. They're not going to be able to compete on the Bitcoin side. No, making way more money by myself Shame. than than I was at Barstool. But I love Got them. Him. Have totally. fun staying poor. Make sure you're dumping your cock bucks over there <laughs> on the pirate ship. We got that out there too. We got Big Cat saying cock bucks now. I think that's a huge. Yeah, people uh, like cock bucks. People do like cock bucks. Well, people like. Not liking cockbucks. Yes. I mean, it's very powerful. Very powerful. Um, Backed is going public via the New York Stock Exchange. Are we excited about this, Marty? I don't know. Like the whole SPAC movement, it, it seems very gimmicky to me. Like no matter 
whether it's backed or any other company doing this SPAC. So a SPAC, I forget what it stands for, but it's a lot of ways or the most popular way that people have been going public over the last 12 months, it seems at least. So what you do is you get a couple or a few companies that team up and they sort of merge and go public together, or they're like in this public SPAC, which acts as a mutual fund of public companies. I don't know exactly. I'm not well versed. Again, it's very... a it they merged with a public company. They're gonna merge with a public company that's already public. Right? Okay. So backed is merging with VPC impact acquisition holdings. You take a shitty public company, and then the only value of that shitty public company is that it can be merged with a valuable private company okay. that becomes public without going through the process. Yeah. So it's it's which like is any- more common historically than it is today, but has been a very easy way to come become public. Yeah, it's like an aqua hire for a bit license or something like right. that. Um yeah, so backed they're gonna be merging with VPC impact acquisition holdings valued at two point one billion dollars offering will be so that's the other thing they have an, an ipo for this uh that'll be in september oh excuse me oh this company held does its this IP- matter it held its ipo in september of last year does anyone use backed i think some people do i don't remember know. when we were bullish on this shit right i don't care yeah whatever Backed's going public um I don't use backs products i mean i just i i just want to like talk shit to my past self the firm said over 400,000 like, consumers. Did it matter? Did back matter? Did we spend all these cycles on something that didn't matter? I, possibly. I think so. We don't even have our back senator anymore. Right. I don't even think Clark's got backed. Yeah. Kelly LaFleur. She got, uh, she's not in Georgia she's anymore. LaFleur. LaFleur is uh, that fucking movie. She's LaFleur, right? Isn't that how you pronounce Lafleur, it? LaFleur. LaFleur. LaFleur uh, is uh dodgeball. Dodgeball, yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure her name's LaFleur, but yeah, she lost. LaFleur. And like not only did she lose, like people didn't like like her. Yes. It sucks. Um yeah, I know people hated her. They did not like her in Georgia. There was some, yeah, this, this is why we focus on Bitcoin. <laughs> um this is interesting news. So I guess we'll we'll tie in something that's not on the list, but it's mining related as well. I see freaks mentioning. Yeah, we have to bring this up Mark. in the comments. Um, fin or excuse me, Poolin released a hash rate token. I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, it just seems like cloud mining with a in a gimmicky way. It's throwing an ERC twenty token on it. Um, in my opinion, I think there will be better hash rate products that come to market. I don't know if you need an ERC-20 token to distribute um, Bitcoin accrued via hash futures contracts. I could be wrong. It just seems a little like over-engineering to me. Uh, they're trying to get on the DeFi bandwagon, right? Yeah, that's what it seems like. Is that you can use it's an ERC twenty token? Uh, it's it's cloud mining on steroids, right? Like yeah. people shouldn't do cloud mining. Um, if you're gonna mine, you should control the hardware. If you don't control the hardware, someone's playing games with you. Uh, you you will probably get fucked. You might have good timing. They might be honest with you. You might be good, but you should just assume that if you don't control the hardware. You're better off stacking sats. Like just stack, just stack yourself instead of instead of doing that. Yeah, you um, need crazy competitive advantages and 
And that's what this is, right? And I think we we will see we will see ultimately we'll see like a lot of these major the big pools are going to all issue tokens, I think, um, because it allows cloud mining to be like kind of as as frictionless as possible. They can scam you with with the least friction possible. Yes, you like it. I'm not going to get into it. I need to be more well versed on exactly what Poland's doing here, but I think I think there's ways to do this in a much. Well, well so they're taking. They're tokenizing their future revenue. Yes. Okay. And they're paying it out in WBTC because they need a they they need a a native Bitcoin token on Ethereum because it's ERC twenty for DeFi, right? So the, they they pay you your mining returns via WBTC, which you obviously have trusted third party risk because that's controlled by Bitco. Um and you have trusted third-party risk because you're using the Ethereum chain, um, but that—that's the general premise, right? I think I—I I, I, what what more do you need to know how to assess this situation? Yeah, not much. Like, why can't it's a bad idea? It's a bad idea. Yeah, why couldn't somebody just buy? Why does the contract have to be connected, especially if it's being offered by a centralized operator like Poolin? Like, why does it need to be offered? on a decentralized protocol because it's regulatory arbitrage yeah i guess it's the same reason why DeFi exists in the first place right is is this idea that if they can pretend they're they're distributed enough they're decentralized enough then maybe they won't get prosecuted or they won't require kyc yeah right they're able to do it on these these it, it's it's the same exact idea like we saw with shapeshift you know, they removed KYC if you do ETH tokens only, right? Yeah. But they still have KYC if you if you do any of the other chains. And and the idea is is that they're pushing off that liability and there's like a regulatory arbitrage opportunity where they're pretending they're distributed when they're not. Yeah. And like I said, I think there will be better hash rate futures products that come to market. Um, we'll see though. They're experimenting. I think it's a bit fatty. F-A-D-D-Y. Um, again, gimmicky. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's a solution looking for a problem in terms of facilitating the hash rate delivery. I, I think there's it's been complicated too much in this setup. And that's just me, again, not having taken a full dive, um, just instinctually looking at it and being like, eh, and having talked about these hash rate futures contracts quite a bit over the last year with a bunch of people working on it. Um, We'll see though. I like to pull. I like Alejandra from Pool and really cool dude. Um, Do you see the KYC article in uh, Vice by Vice. by Lee Lee uh, Kuhn? Yeah, about I, mining mining I, KYC. I skimmed it, clean but I blocks, thought, clean I thought mining we, blocks. I thought we talked about it last week though. We did talk about it last week, but now it's in Vice. Yeah, it's in Vice. Marty, are you going to assure us that the North American miners are not going to fuck us? You're going to you're going to stand in front of the bull? Yes. I mean, again, <laughs> like I said last week, I don't think anybody that I know within the mining industry is seriously considering uh targeting their hash rate at this block seer pool. And then on top of that, if you would want to get into the individuals uh involved with this and and their recent actions, one is Marathon, I believe, is part the Marathon Patent Group is part of this. Mara, Mara, um, and people are really worried about them because they're buying tens of thousands of miners at a time 
from Bitmain and it seems like they have a bunch of miners that, that are going to bring a bunch of hash rate to the network. I'm skeptical of whether they're going to be able to execute on plugging those big orders in for personal reasons I can discuss with you offline, Matt. But on top of that, their CEO, a dude by the name of Merrick Akimoto, which is actually pretty funny, um, he, he recently, I'm looking for the, the headline right now, uh, I believe as, as recently as last week, sold uh, $13 million worth of Mar- Mara shares. Um, so I actually wouldn't be surprised if this is all just like posturing. It seems like middlemen behavior where Mara may have like a balance sheet where they can buy these miners and pretend like they're they're large North American miner with some clout. Again, I'm skeptical they're going to be able to plug all those in in a profitable way. And then number two, with this block seer mining pool just trying to play some middlemen action by front running any regulation and trying to be like the regulatory palatable pool in north america but again we haven't had any conversations with Blockseer at great american mining i think i've been pretty public we contribute our hash to to slush pool um right now we, we have we have visions of 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 um of a, a North American pool that that plays by um, Bitcoin's rules coming coming to market at some point in the future, but yeah, like in terms of North American miners actually being able planning on pointing their hash at blocks here, I, I haven't met any, um, and I talked to quite a few, and then yeah, I, I, it, the mining pool game too is not something you just get into. It's like to assume that the blocks here group is actually going to run a good pool. Um, is another assumption um, that I, I think many people are overestimating. Um, at this well, game. Marathon says they have eight percent of the hash rate. Do you disagree with that? Yes, yes. No, Just they a, have less. You think they have less? I mean, they may have eight percent of hash rate if they add in miners they don't have plugged in that they. It doesn't bought. count. That doesn't count. No, I don't think they have eight percent. Ask anyone who ordered a Butterfly Labs pre-order about what you do in terms of. Right. Yeah, I think that's of, of, of counting minor pre-order hash rate. It's a very strong claim. Um. Yeah, I mean, I love you guys. I love you, Marty. I. Everyone I know in North American mining, I love. Um. I am ready for you guys to be the enemy. <laughs> Bring it. I, I, I do not expect um, when Marty, when Marty says to me, are we a free country? In my mind, I laugh. Right. And <laughs> I, I, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what happens if, if North American mining gets to a certain threshold. And, and I think, I think if you ask any miner what they want ultimately is they don't want 70% of the mining in, in China. They don't want 70% of the mining in America. They want it distributed as much as possible. And I think it helps every single miner globally if, if, we, have, um, if, if we have it as, as distributed as possible. And, and really, ultimately, what this regulations, all these different regulations are going to do is they're going to distribute it, right? Is like, like this idea that in any given country, if, if they come down too hard, it gets distributed. And we saw that in China, and we're kind of seeing that in America now. And you're just going to have it in all different places. You're going to have 
smaller miners in all different places. And, and that's best case scenario for Bitcoin. Yeah. And again, not to talk my own book, but that's why I think getting oil and gas producers integrated with Bitcoin mining is very important, specifically, especially smaller producers that, that aren't like, uh, like blue chip multinational. Like, and, and again, particularly here in the United States, Mexico, and Canada, it's like a really interesting scenario that's presented itself. The fact that the sources of energy, in this case, natural gas, um, are, are spread across many borders, whether it be national or state borders, and then beyond that, company borders as well. So you have distribution in actors between small producers, medium producers, large producers, between states. You have different regulations in different states. Wyoming's got a lot of gas in it. They seem to be pretty forward-thinking. goes beyond countries from down to Mexico up to Canada. So in terms of North America, like in, in trying to game theory this out and think about how it can be robust, it's getting as many producers at all levels, as many states at all levels and all countries in North America involved just to have that, that arbitrage on each level, whether it be the corporate state or, or uh, nation state level. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's something that everybody should be aware of. And like I said last week, it's something why I think even during these bull markets, we should be pushing the activation to taproot and uh, the testing and uh, activation or rollout of Stratum V2. Stratum V2 would severely reduce the, the ability for regulators to actually enforce these types of actions on mining pools because the mining pool is not the central actor anymore. The individual miners within the pool um, that are deciding to create their own block templates are um, are the actors in this case. And then once that happens, again, it gets back to that scenario, which the regulations are too dumb and too expensive to enforce because you, in that case, expect every individual miner within that mining pool to KYC every other miner. And that's just logistically not going to happen or is it wise because you don't want a bunch of individuals holding each other's personal information on servers that they store at their their houses yeah um freak art by design uh mentioned that he thinks stratum v2 is more important than taproot and i i would i would tend to agree with him like mm -hmm. this idea basically like the idea is that we we have like five or six mining pools um that are centralized third parties that that are security holes um and once you have stratum v2 it doesn't matter like we could have one mining pool yeah uh, and we'd be fine because the individual miners the guys that are, are contributing work would get to decide what gets included in each block and once you have that then all of a sudden everything is 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 nice and distributed and yes that goes against the convenience versus security trade-off um and that'll only happen if we get attacked basically you only see you only see that kind of adoption if, if we get attacked yeah, um, but we but we need to have the tools there available for people to to move to, in that situation. Yeah, no, and I got just to wrap up this particular subject. I think you freaks have taken into consideration the likelihood of a successful and sustained attack of this nature, particularly considering the the little amount of hash rate this block seer pool has. They'd have to, again, we had this discussion last week. If you guys want to go check that out and understand the full argument, but it basically blocks down to like, they can, they can have this pool and Hey, they could, they could just mine blocks with transactions and exclude particular transactions. They don't want to individual miner could do that today. If they wanted to, a mining pool could do that today. If they want to 
the where it gets hairy is whether or not they're reorging blocks that include certain transactions to wipe them off the ledger. Um, and to do that successfully and for a sustained period of time is very expensive and you need a considerable amount of hash rate. And even if they're reporting 8%, I don't feel like 8% would be nearly enough to to do that successfully without getting reorged sub- subsequently and, and wasting your money. So a bunch of nuance to this, like everything else, uh, but definitely something to be aware of. Like this, in my mind, that is the mining area, whether it be at the mining pool level or the chip fabrication level is, is the biggest Achilles heel. And that's why outside of this, that's why I'm working for great American mining. Cause I, I want to make sure that Bitcoin mining is distributed enough and done in a way that is, um, is, within Bitcoin's ethos or in the spirit of Bitcoin's ethos and Todd and team at, at great American mining or, or that's what we're, we're trying to do. Um, so that's why I hitched my wagon to, um, this, to this country company um, and country and country. Yeah. I mean, you've been very patriotic to almost I, a fault. My wagons like uh, over there actually. He's just pitching his wagon to everything. Like people just walk by and like all of a sudden the wagon gets attached to them. Yeah. Um, I, I, I appreciate the insight. I, I appreciate uh, the discretion in terms of mining because that is your, you know, it, it is, it is, it is your career. Uh, and I, I appreciate that. Um, in terms of art by design, he asked me uh, if I, yes, uh, he 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 said, um, "Did I go a little bit extreme that one pool would be okay?" Yes, like I was just I threw out nuance and I just went straight for the extreme example. You do not want like obviously we'd have other issues besides uh, block selection if we only had one mining pool. Like we don't want to have just one mining pool. But the point is, is that if we had one mining pool and we had strategy two and you're constructing your blocks it's not like the worst situation ever. It was like an extreme example uh, to explain the situation. And you've been forgiven. Um, yeah. He forgave me that. I appreciate that. But I, I think that's that I appreciate. This is what's cool about the live chat because that's an important distinction to make to the freaks um, true. is that it was, it was meant to be an example. Uh, but I obviously, ideally we want, no matter what we want to have multiple mining pools competing around the world, we want to have as many as possible. You want to have as many as possible competing, but then you want the individual miners also having, uh, more power over their so-called landlords, right? Like they're, they're, they're the people that are deciding you, you don't want, you don't want, you don't want six people deciding what gets constructed in a block. Uh, obviously then we have issues. No, I mean. Luckily, the ability to switch between pools is very easy today. But if we're being honest with ourselves here, there's very few pools. It would take the combination of very few pools to to amass considerably more than 50% of the network hash rate right now. So, yeah, I, I agree with uh, art, art design as well, like Strata V2 from a resiliency and robustness and security perspective is probably more imperative than taproot at this given point in time um but so happy to see the square crypt let's obviously let's get both um but yeah it's great to see the brains os team building that out now they have some help square crypto uh we talked about last week sent a grant to an anon dev is going to be working on that specifically so hopefully we get this to market at least we're thinking about it right now freaks get the message out there stratum v2 fincel 
They're extending the comment period. Our comments worked, freaks. They got. Did you provide a comment, Marty? I may have. Yes, I did. Um. Yeah, I doxed my IP. You know, you have to speak up. And now you give me the FinCEN link directly. I don't have my VPN on because of recording. You didn't give <laughs> me the archive link. Too late. I'm on FinCEN. Welcome. Ah. Hey, what's up, FBI agent? <laughs> uh, FinCEN extends comment period for... They don't need your IP address, Marty. They know who you are. Yeah, they they, know. You're, you're pro-Bitcoin. I think I'm on every list that is related to Bitcoin that, that is out there. Yeah, was it, they extended what, 30 days? 15. 15 days. 45 days for the shitty part of the rule and 15 days for the important part of the rule. Okay. Keep commenting, and, freaks. And also the guy that everyone was super excited about for his stablecoin bullshit, he's, he's stepping down for the new administration. Uh, yeah, Brian. Former lawyer of... Yeah, the Coinbase. comptroller of the currency. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. What is it? The 14th? Biden gets inaugurated a week from today, but we'll probably be, is it 21st or 20th? It's the 20th, isn't it? I don't know. We'll do the day after. The day after you guys will get a live broadcast. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what the Biden administration brings in terms of regulation towards Bitcoin. I thought I saw one of his appointees today is like very bullish on Bitcoin. Um, Look, our government is very effectively corrupt like i i I, we're gonna have like all the shit corners are gonna be in 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 this in this administration i'm not i'm like not worried about that my worry is self-sovereign bitcoin users and that that will be a concern i think that'd be a concern regardless of who got elected i agree um and we just have to look out for our own we just have to be you just have to fight like people are gonna have to fight man no apathy. You can't be complacent. You can't be apathetic. Like I said earlier, the opportunity to build your way out of these political problems has never been greater. You do not need to wait on the politicians to pass laws to bring the change that you want to see in the world. You can go build it. Can we talk about like the normalization of like stable coins? Like this idea, like how, like, it feels so anti-Bitcoin. Like they, it just, it just happened. Like they, they, it's blockchain, not Bitcoin. That's what it is, right? It's, it's this bullshit. It's the same bullshit that we already had, that has evolved to a new version, and we're seeing it happen in real time. And I, fuck them, right? Like what, 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 uh, well, what am I supposed to say here? I'll steal man this. I'll be the devil's advocate here. Seems that particular parts of the world where uh, stomaching Bitcoin's day-to-day volatility is detrimental to uh, the ability to purchase day-to-day goods. Stable coins fill a niche role um, as Bitcoin's in its monetization event. Obviously, we've had Matt Alborg on the podcast a few times, and he's described um, this type of usage of stable coins. But yeah, like we said, I've said this on the podcast before too. I see stable coins. It says a temporary stopgap. What about? For, wait, let me finish. Temporary stopgap. I don't think stable coins are stable. I think they're inherently unstable. Right. I don't. I don't plan on holding any of them. Um, I think they will all trend to zero 
sats at the end of the day. But how are we calling? Why are we calling them stable coins? Like, how do we end up in this situation that we're calling them stable coins? Like, how how is this the 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 reality that we live in? I think maybe it was an attempt to get away from and delineate between pegged currencies. They didn't want to use peg coins. But they're all pegged, <laughs> right? I know, I know. I think it was maybe I don't know. Maybe it's just um, I, yeah. stems from like to to sort of define like a stable coin is cryptocurrency specific, a pegged currency is specific to the fiat world. Um, banker was that huge ICO. So so basically I woke up this morning, right? Um, and I had to move out of my cabin and I drove to this, this, this house. Um, and, and I, I said to myself, I was like, we've been calling it stable coins for a bit now. Like, I feel like they, they pulled one over us, you know, it's, it's like the unhosted wallets versus a self-hosted, unhosted, hosted bullshit. You know, like if you have a wallet that you control the keys, it's a fucking Bitcoin wallet, right? Like how did we end up in a situation where we're calling things stable coins? Like how, how do we end up in a situation with, with the, the controller of the currency, the guy who's like in charge of currencies, like, yeah. Yeah, we have these stable coins. Like they're they're like they're they're like inherently pegged to our like shitty fucking money. And like we have we have this shitty money and like we just we have a digital equivalent of that shitty money that you can hold control of a private key and you can receive you can just you can receive shitty money via that private key. Like how did we end up in that situation? Like how did what the fuck? What what fucking happened? No one fucking pushed back and it just happened. I'm I so I'm looking I'm trying to look up the history of it right now. So the first stable coin as we would define it today was created at BitUSD uh in new bits. I think Dan Larimer might have been a part of that. Could be wrong though. Or I'm thinking bit shares. Um Corsi was uh, involved with it. I think so twenty fourteen BitUSD and new bits. Um I don't know if they referred to it. I'm trying to find if they referred to it as a stable They're coin. They're not stable. Then. They're going down every it's like Obviously, like stable coins. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get to the etymology of the word. That's where I'm trying to get to. Like, who first said it was? Was it the first U.S. dollar pegged cryptocurrency that referred to itself as a stable coin? Just stuck, or is it something that was thrown on later in life? If any of you freaks know, I can't find it. Um, it'd be interesting. That like, was Tether called a stable coin when it was? Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not even Tether, right? Like, yeah. it's like if Tether did it, I understand. Like, they're like kind of black market people, and they're like trying their best to like make a like a black market dollar and like i'm cool with that like oh you you want you always stable it's attached to this dollar but black market wise you don't have kyc but like why did we just like assume like stable coins like why why are we just cool with this why are we cool with this concept no idea no idea i mean sats are my stable coin sats are my stable coin bitcoin is my stable coin it's it's rooted in reality and stability and some volatility too, but you'll find that the volatility brings you stability because it, it, the volatility is usually up and to the right. It makes you feel good. Number go up, freaks. All the numbers are going up. RHR episode numbers went up today. The number of dark net markets getting taken down is going up still. The German police last best thing on the list took down dark market and arrested the operator. We mentioned it earlier. Tim Barons, um, as Matt mentioned, this is. Um, they're claiming to be the world's largest dark net marketplace. Imagine as well. calling your dark net market dark market. Right. 
Like have some creativity. At the time, Dark Market nearly had 500,000 followers, 2,400. If I ran in Dark Market, I'd have the coolest name. Oh my God. Apologies, freaks. What would it be? I don't know. uh, Like Zeus or it'd probably be a Greek god. Medusa. Dionysus. Got a wand. Right? Right? Like there's so many good options. Oh, Mm. but I'm just going to call it Dark Market. It's like lazy as fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the product that matters, not the name. You know? Do you think that's actual Max Kaiser in the comments? I don't know if it is. Trump's Tavern. What's up, Max? Puppy Sales in the chat now. Puppy Sales. Well, Puppy Sales been in the chat the whole time. Puppy th- Sales like dedicated. I thought we put Puppy Sale down. I killed Puppy Sale, but it was <laughs> properly distributed. Well, fake Max Ka- Kaiser has announced he's a fake Max. So uh, he's fake Max. Okay, that's pretty much sums it up. Yeah. Well, you know what? Max Kyrie just ruined the stream. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that's everything we got on the list. What else? Do we have anything to riff on here? I guess one thing I've been meaning to mention over the last few weeks, but always forgot. Now it's on the top of my head. Maybe old news at this point, but Hong Kong completely, completely, utterly. Just under. Yeah, this was the, the year in review. When, when you asked me why I was so bearish, I was like, we fucking lost them, man. They're yeah. gone. They're yeah. over. But there, was some, there was something in the last three weeks that happened, correct? Um, Surfer Jim's real. Yes, Jim. You're the most real thing in her world. Um, but yeah, yeah. So Hong, I'm pretty sure they're arresting any. Uh, it's any, fucked up. Yeah, any politicians that aren't in line with the CCP. They're literally creating the censorship playbook of the 21st century. Yeah. Like if you if you if you want to look what happens when you have an authoritarian government turn into um, a very connected digital society, it's China taking over Hong Kong. That's what that is, and 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 you had a free society of Hong Kong that was very free speech focused, that you that was very digital, that a lot of things were being logged but they trusted their government, right? And then when things turned, the Chinese government took it against them, right? And they had all this data ready to go. And, th- and that's the concern, right? The concern is that you sit in a government where you feel comfortable and you're just, you're recklessly just releasing all this information. And, 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 and I'm not talking down to people. I am doing this right now. I trust my government enough not to throw me into a fucking gulag for talking my own fucking mind. But my face is here. My name is here. People know who I am. I got my IP address that's getting publicly broadcast. Like these things are known, right? But I'm trusting that my government's not going to fucking completely turn on me. And that's what happened in Hong Kong. And then their government completely turned on them. And then China just completely just destroyed them. And then just took all that information and used it against them. So these are things that people need to keep in mind. Um, it's fucked. It's fucked. And then that's why, like, I got so triggered. I got and and the freaks know, like, I fucking people should not get triggered. Like it's weakness. But at the same time, like we had people saying, like, oh, happy new year, like everything's gonna be great, like blah blah. Like, fuck that shit, guys. Like, this is wartime. Like, we're, we're fucking dealing with this shit. Like, you have to deal with this shit. Like, we have to be ready. We have to be prepared. Get ready. 
it's time to steamroll, bitches. We, again, we have the opportunity to. If you want to pick up, you don't have to pick up a rifle and go go to war anymore to fight these battles. You can get on your computer, stack some sats, run a node, contribute to some code, contribute to some education efforts, getting the word out there. The opportunity is right in front of you. And, that, and that's, again, it was harpening this back to my conversation with Michael Krieger. It's no more whining. We can't be whining and asking these people to do things for us anymore. We can't like eh, ban Trump from Twitter. Like he's fucking inciting violence. Oh, kick Antifa off. Oh, uh, Finn Cell's doing this to us. Oh, Steve Munchabut's doing this. And I'm guilty of it. I'm very guilty of it. Like no more whining. No more fucking whining. Just fucking get out there and build the change you want to see in the world. It's never been more attainable or more accessible than it is today, January 14th, 2021. Let's do it, freaks. Let's steamroll these motherfuckers. They're dumb. They're evil. They're degenerate. They're smile fuckers. They don't give a fuck about you. And you shouldn't give a fuck about them. Bitcoin gives us the opportunity to distance ourselves from them. Hey, you want to go do that degen warmongering pedo shit over here? We're going to go do Bitcoin. Okay. Get the fuck out of here. What what do you mean by smile fuckers? Smile fuckers. Uh, somebody will smile right in your face and they're just like fucking you too. They're like, ah, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. But Guilty. hey, I'm here to save you. But I'm <laughs> really, really plotting to, to fuck over your life in my mind right now. I've done that before. Guilty. Yeah. Um, that's fucked up. But, you know, you should be prepared. You should be prepared with the smile fuckers. They're going to come for you. Um, oh, is it like a porn thing no I, I i mean i just think that like you shouldn't expect that the people that are going to come for you are going to be like i am your enemy and i am no. coming for you you know you no, know, like, can't expect that that's what a smile fucker is right a smile fucker is someone's like i'm on your side but like i'm really planning against you and i'm just trying to collect information to destroy you right yeah i'm here to protect you which is i think is completely fair in, in love and war Right, hey, like that—that that is what you should expect. Hey, Christine Lagarde, we should work together. I really, <laughs> yeah. really think we can right, we can be productive. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. I would hundred percent work with her. Yeah, yeah, Christine, let's do it. That's the point. This. You need to have the people that—that—that's what it's total war. That's what it's called. You know what? We're gonna smile fuck our way to victory here. We're gonna smile <laughs> fuck them right back. I just never—I never heard it as like a negative uh, terminology. That's interesting to me. Yeah, smile fucker. Hey. Um, Freaks, thank you for joining us in the chat. Thank you for joining us if you're listening via your favorite podcasting app. Thank you for listening to us, whatever way you're listening to us, however you found us. If you're new to Tales from the Crypt, welcome. We welcome you, Freaks. If a lot of this is going over your head, don't worry. Uh, it's going to happen for, for a little bit as you, as you um, get up to date with Bitcoin and what's going on. I promise uh, you'll learn via osmosis as we continue to cover these subjects. Um, if you're liking the content, this was helpful. Please smash that like button, smash that subscribe button, that turn the notifications on, share it again. Uh, we're in a battle for information here and we're trying to get uh, as much quality information out to as many people as possible so that they can get to freedom quicker. Stay humble, stack the fucking sats. Peace and love, freaks. Okay. <laughs>